0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: Guys, I'm going to keep this short because my pitch is so simple. This was the best podcast of the season. Fez and I head to head, and it is game, game, game. Good point. We had the Hitman jump in, Asler. Great stuff. This is the kind of stuff when you listen, you're thinking, hmm. I want to make sure to get that prop and that derivative bet. That means more outs, bet DSI. Now we have a 100% match bonus. That's nice. It's Bella101 is the promo code. So Bella101, 100% match bonus. Now yesterday we started talking on the college pod about the pyramid of value when it comes to sports books. Getting paid, enjoying the experience. But With Fezzik, it's all about, or not all about, but there's a big chunk. It's about the props. And let's be candid, some of those barroom bookie types, even if they have an online presence, they don't have all those props. Those, uh, Those cockroaches, they don't want to give you all those options. And to me, whenever a bookie is apprehensive about something, that's a sign of fear. And I love to smell fear on a bookie. And... The honest answer is, about DSI, they want to win too, but they got a longer-term view. It's not about getting every little edge. It's about allowing the customer to enjoy themselves. Now, I'm going to be candid. They want to allow the customer to enjoy themselves because they think they're going to win money from you. So if, you're, you know, if your fear is, oh, my God, I might lose the bookie, well, unless you've got a proven history of winning, chances are there's a real chance you're going to lose. And that's why we talk about recreational play. But if you're trying to win your hardest, you want more outs. If you understand, yeah, you want to win, but it's fun and you want to minimize and do the best you can regardless, then you want to maximize your outs and pick outs that have a great UX and also a lot of fun offerings. So no matter what, BetDSI fits that bill. And we're going to continue talking about the different ways to think about that value that a good sports book or collection of sports books can offer you. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. I love this pod. Let me know if you like this approach more. You can tweet me at RJ in Vegas onto this special show.
0: Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview, weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable, broadcasting from the
2: Pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell.
1: That's right, and a very special Week Five Dream Preview with the one-on-one Wise Guy Roundtable across from me, with a scowl, not happy. One and four, we went. Ouch, Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell, guys. We are going to skip the BS, and here's why we went one and four. Five, you know, we were riding high. I'm not sure which games, you know. Luckily, I guess it doesn't matter, but I got off of Washington. It was one, you know, we usually about five times a year would change something because of the information or information that comes in or whatever. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, boy, Washington, it'd be one thing if you just lose the game. It's another thing, you know, as they did Monday night. But it's another thing if it seems like the team's in turmoil. And, boy, Jay Gruden's not a great coach. You need a good coach in turmoil. But that's why Wednesday's Wednesday, right? And I had bet it, so I had to eat it. But to some degree... You wanna until you bet, you wanna constantly be reevaluating. But you know, otherwise we had the luckily we went with the rant, or I'm sorry, with Tampa Bay. <sighs> what was our worst one? So we had Kansas City. I didn't know that the, the, the Lions D backs were that good without Slay.
3: Yeah, shocking Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown pass against
1: Yeah, but still that's not the issue, right? I mean they scored a lot of points. What was the final?
3: Thirty-four, thirty. Yeah, they got
1: enough points. Yeah. Uh, so we had um, Houston. Ugh. Ugh. Why don't we go? Why don't we address these teams as we hit them? But here's what we're gonna do. We are going to be, and I can promise you, Fez got a few more grays. I mean, you got to when? When are you planning the next uh, double application of the shoe polish tomorrow night? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we've been working hard, guys. We're going to go right to it. And then another thing, one quick announcement. So we decided with Maddie being, at least for the next month or so, out of pocket with all his, you know, his integrity business and a lot of, uh, you know, serious responsibilities associated with that. And I think he's going to be very successful with it. And it's a hell of an opportunity for him. I think it's a good thing for the industry. Um We're going to do kind of like Howard. I'm going to be a little bit aspirational and do like Howard Stern did with the Jackie Martling chair for those that are fans. So when Jackie left the show, they had people like Adam Carolla and others sit in for a week at a time. And then eventually they decided on bringing some people back. And finally, Artie Lang was chosen. So I'm going to be judicious because it's a tough crowd here. But we're going to bring in guys one week at a time. And see how they fit. And if someone blows us away, maybe we'll have them back. Well, if someone blows us away, we'll certainly have them back. If someone really blows us away, we might make an invite. But Fez, we've made a commitment that we are gonna be so much about the winners. And we're gonna have fun, but we're gonna keep the fun. We're gonna keep the fun to a minimum. (laughs) Whatever it takes.
2: Showtime!
1: Woo! All right, Fezzy, we always start the same way best bets. I really like your best bet. You got you get the honor, the two-time champion honors and always get to pick first. I'm not gonna act like that's some big advantage. And I go last. I went last all this time with Maddie. And I'm comfortable with a disadvantage. I have these intrinsic advantages. So first pick, best bet.
3: Best bet Pittsburgh Steelers. Now in the super contest, this line is three, and I will take three, even though it's not the best number. I'm so confident in this pick, RJ i got to be honest here. Baltimore is the rare team that is so overrated in my eyes, I actually need a reason not to bet against them.
1: So right now, where would they rank in your mind as the most – when it comes to overrated teams? If there was a Fezzik overrated team list, where's the Ravens at?
3: Number one this year.
1: Just clearly, right? We're talking about this year, so
3: right now. Yeah, right now, and Chargers would be number two.
1: So if you just did your power rankings – and, or the math on them? What should the line on this be?
3: One and a half.
1: Okay, so and there's some three and a halves. You know, uh, you know, if you lay the three and a half, you're plus a hundred. You know, so it's really in between three and three and a half. The, the contest is a contest. Now, what I would say is, if we didn't have to play five picks, I don't think you're taking uh, ten cents. To, you know, the worst of it. But maybe you are. I mean, that's the thing. Do you so? This opinion is so strong. Even if you somehow had to bet ten cents, the worst of it, you still think it's one of the better bets. I do. Wow. So make your case. So they're overrated.
3: Yes, It's specifically, it's the Baltimore Raven defense that is overrated. So think about it. The Ravens have that reputation for having a great defense. The Ravens are last in the league in yards per play given up. And that's just one metric. There's other metrics that they're in the bottom five of the league. Um, DVOA, Football Outsiders, calculates they're a bottom five team. How bad is seven yards per play? A bottom five team? In defense. Okay, yes. In defense, yes. Thank you. Um, Think of seven yards per play. That's 21 yards and three downs. You're clearly getting your first down. And if you look at, like, the second worst team in the NFL, they're only giving up 6.3. So the disparity in yardage per play between Baltimore and the second worst defense is tremendous. So this defense is just way overrated. Now,
1: my question is, Is there any reason for it? Obviously, if you play Mahomes, that is going to be tough. He's the best, I think it's fair to say. Is there any other – I mean, playing the Dolphins, playing Arizona.
3: More than offsets. And and quite
1: frankly, playing the Browns. Now, one of the things we'll get to because the Browns are involved in my best bet. One of the things the Hitman said in his analysis – and he's got that player analysis that quite frankly – I think is, you know, nine times out of 10, I don't like, but the time, the 10th time, it really is insightful because it's a fantasy driven. It's all, but he also looks at matchups. He looks at the schemes and and what he said was the 12 personnel. uh, And, you know, they say 11 personnel, 12 personnel. It's how many wide receivers, how many running backs, how many tight ends. And I'm no expert at this. I'm trying to learn more about it, you know, obviously beyond the basics, but the Browns last season did very well in the 12. And this season, they got way away from it. And then against, though, the Ravens, they played a ton of 12 personnel. So in a weird way, that it was a surprise. Right? If, you, if you haven't done something hardly, or I don't know if they did it at all, but let's say not near as much, and they expect you to be in 12, let's say the Ravens, a small percentage of the time, and you're in 12 a majority of the time, that's kind of like in Rocky 2 when Rocky says, "I'm not coming. I don't want to fight as a southpaw. No tricks." I almost lost my eye in the first fight, but we got to do it. I got to try to change things up somehow and <laughs> make it more difficult to fight Creed. And I think you got to discount to some degree the Browns' win. I'm not saying fully, but I think that if you pull a trick to win the game, congrats, it's good coaching, but. Can you do the trick again? Mm. How many tricks are there? I'm going left-handed. No, I'm going right-handed. Guess what? You don't have another choice at that point. They're gonna, Now, you could say, well, now they're preparing for both, and maybe so. But luckily, and I guess, I guess we'll get to that game. I'm kind of hinting who I like. But otherwise, I, I just don't know how you excuse how bad the Ravens are. And the sense is that the Ravens are at least an average D – Right. I mean, what I'm saying is if you ask a casual fan, a casual batter, what are they going to think?
3: Yeah, they I would think they'd say clearly top half, if not top 10 from past reputation. Right.
1: So this is a pure or a big chunk of this is Ravens overrated. Yes. What else do you got? Well, why don't we go through the Ravens? What do you think of Lamar Jackson? Where's your head at with him right now?
3: I am in I'm still deciding. I had him number 30 to start the year. I have upgraded him to my number 18 quarterback.
1: Obviously, so no downgrade from last week?
3: No downgrade from last week. Obviously, he's been tremendous year to date. And now the question is, now that he's... Here's
1: the question hmm. in my mind. I think the question is how much of this has to do with they were running the ball at a historic pace last year with him. He was running the ball personally as a quarterback at a historic pace. He's not running the ball like that now. Once the teams figure out he's not running the ball like that, how much of his success passing was from the teams having to quite frankly guard the 11th guy. I mean, one of the basic tenets of offense is the quarterback once he hands off or, or the that's why the v, or that's why the uh read option is so effective. If the quarterback can run, You've got to account for that. And thus, all the defensive schemes that assume the quarterback's not going to run, that's why a running quarterback is almost unstoppable. If, if a quarterback's really wanting to run, and we see this sometimes with Russell Wilson at the end of a game or at the end of the half, he says, I'm, just, I'm going to run if I think it's better for me. No real consideration that, oh, running is dangerous. And when I say better for me, I mean better for the team, better for the result. But if you did that for an extended period, you inevitably are going to get hurt as a quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a big physical guy. He was able to take some punishment, but obviously the Ravens decided he couldn't do that long term. Now you take that away and he's just a really good mobile. He's really mobile, but he's not running the ball a historic amount. Does his passing deficiencies make up for it? And people might say, well, does he have passing deficiencies? Well, I think he does. What I know is in my quarterback system, Lamar Jackson, and we'll be talking about this later in detail. I'll break the system down. Lamar Jackson is number five. Now, you might say, well, RJ, that proves to you he's good, except it was most of those games with the assumption that he was going to run, or at least the fear of it. Now I think that's dissipating a little bit. We'll see. Now, again, maybe against the Steelers, they form and say, this game you're going to run a lot. And I think that chance to to swap or mix things up is a real advantage in the NFL. But I tell you this, if you say five years from today, will Lamar Jackson be a top-10 quarterback, I would make a major bet no. Doesn't mean today he's not effective. So I think neutral on the offense, I think, is fair. And it seems like that's what you are. Yes. Anything else about the Ravens before we get to the Pittsburgh side?
3: That's it on the Ravens.
1: Yeah, so Brad Powers likes Pittsburgh. All. Oh, you and him with the same pick. Interesting. (laughs) One in a million. The Ravens have allowed 500 yards of offense for the opponent in back to back games. So over a thousand yards the last two games. Oof. Now, everybody knows the Steelers and the Ravens are pretty close, play close games historically. Now this is fascinating. This makes me like the pick all the more your Pittsburgh pick, Fazz. In the entire history of Ravens Steelers football, the Steelers have never been this big of a home. Underdog. There's been two instances where they were three. The betting market now is you know three and a quarter moving towards you know however three and a half or so. And this came from the hit man. Twenty-five times these two coaches have met Harbaugh, Tomlin. Saturday night. Oh wait, Sunday afternoon. Thirteen of the games. So thirteen of the twenty-five. More than half decided by a field goal or less. So I'd rather be three and a half, but three is still pretty good there. So I think that covers the Ravens. Well, finally, one negative, I think, is Pittsburgh has not faced Lamar Jackson. Uh, You mentioned one pass. But in general, that kind of theory the second time around is easier.
3: Yeah, we're salivating to play against Lamar Jackson in divisional games, but not the Steelers because the Steelers missed him. I think you're exactly
1: right about that. All right, Um, let's talk Steelers.
3: Yeah, let's talk Steelers. Let's talk strength of schedule, because obviously the Steelers got off to a horrible start to start the year. Their point differential was poor. Well, I'm going to attribute some of it, certainly, to who they had to play. New England, at New England, Seattle, and at San Francisco. That really was a murderer's row for the Steelers to have to start the year off. So although 0-3 is never going to look good for a team that we want to bet on, I think it's forgivable, and certainly the poor stats of the Steelers are forgivable given who they had to play.
1: I agree with that. I don't know if forgivable is the right word. I think that they are mitigated somewhat. That It's not as bad as it seems. It's like running a marathon with a not a five-pound weights, but one-pound, you know, heavy, like shoes from the 70s or something. You know, it's just not as easy. Let's talk about Monday night. I loved the ingenuity of the Steelers pre-snap motion. They ran some jet sweeps. It kind of had some veer principles where they were gaining speed, trying to get around the end. Also rolled out Rudolph. Yes, I was able to say it. And he's a physically talented kid, no doubt about it. 86% completions Monday night. It's pretty good. 24 out of 28. Yards per attempt, as your favorite, over eight yards of an attempt. But just three of the 28 passes traveled 10-plus yards in the air or from the line of scrimmage. So to me, it's a fact you cannot perform long-term in the NFL at quarterback without throwing the ball downfield. But I think it makes sense what Pittsburgh's done. You know, against Seattle, I think it's very easy to say, or against San Francisco, I think it's easy to say, that they benefited from a lot of turnovers. They got outgained and still with all, what was it, minus three, I think?
3: Yeah, it was minus four. And then that final fumble by James Conner made it minus three.
1: Oh, okay, okay. And to me, I think Tomlin was pretty much saying he's on the road. 49ers are pretty good. It's going to be hard to win this game. If, we, if he throws downfield more, it will be a better chance to win, but there's a chance of a catastrophe that might really mess with his confidence. So it strikes me they lost the game, but Rudolph came out of that game with a decent amount of confidence. And then against the Bengals, when they needed a win, 0-3, if you're winning the game by 20 points or whatever, why, why risk it? I mean, meaning Pittsburgh did enough to win, and win handedly, They should throw downfield more. Why? Run the ball and throw short unless they force you to. So I like the way they're bringing him along. Now, if he can't throw downfield, we're in trouble as Steelers fans. But I have a cause for optimism. First off, preseason is preseason. But if you look at 2019's preseason, this year, on throws 10 or more yards downfield, this is PFF, Pro Football Focus, he had one of the highest grades, Rudolph, of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, on long passes. And in college, he was one of the most successful long throwers. Now, the NFL is the NFL, but I think in general, when Tomlin allows him to mm, wing it, loosen things up a little bit, I have some optimism. Finally, Steelers ran a lot of uh, Wildcat. And the ringer made an interesting point. They got 6.6 yards per carry, but only had two variations. So it was like, do this or do that. I gotta feel they got one more hiding. (laughs) So the Steelers doing so much creativity. Now they need it. Even though when they were like the third or fourth best team, you would think, okay, we could win it, but we got to go into New England. You think that's a time, few fake punts. No, let's play straight and lose. And now they're fighting to be 400. And I love that they're fighting to be 400 or uh, they're fighting to be 500, let's say, you know, eight and eight. They'd be ecstatic at nine and seven after the 0-3 start. I mean, think about that, right? It'd be nine and four to finish the year. But now they're getting all creative. A little too late, I think. No, I do appreciate it. And I think, listen, they've got to be motivated to win the division still. The three point, three and a half point dogs here. They, they win this game, yeah,
3: and they the get they get a little wins? help Monday night. They're tied for first. exactly,
1: and does it? I mean, doesn't mean they're going to win the division, but it feels like the Steelers' competitiveness
3: makes a ton of sense. You know, competing hard and as far as the creativity, yes. real, real real quickly. No, I'll take the, your time on on the Wildcat. They were creative in the Wildcat. So think about it. How often you watch that Wildcat doesn't seem to work. The quarterback. Goes ahead and has the read option, hands it off the back, or takes it himself. And they had that little shovel pass for that Samuel was spectacular. He just kind of like he'd been there his entire life. He just put it out there like oh, and, and and zoom, and in comes the wide receiver. It comes the running back, takes it, and they and they run. That was a really really.
1: But have um, you seen the Steelers do anything like that? In the prior year.
3: No, and not only... Which they, is what I'm saying is when you're going into New England, why not pull out a trigger? And tip? they didn't even copy it. I've never seen it before in the NFL. And then you mentioned it, rolling Rudolph out, and you saw his confidence growing. That touchdown pass to James Conner. Conner was not wide open. I mean, there was like six or seven players all within 10 yards there. And Rudolph, great vision, spotted him. No, confident.
1: I, I think you're on it. And I'll tell you this, and I've said this once, so I'll say it quickly. Tomlin, the Steelers are sending a message when they traded their number one pick for the first time since the 60s, since Nixon was president, since before Chuck Knoll, all the way three coaches back. <laughs> Can you imagine that Chuck Knoll in 69? Cower to Tomlin, three coaches in 50 years. I love it. I don't love Tomlin all the time, but I like what I'm seeing from him. And we mentioned this too, but it bears repeating. Tomlin, in his career, is about seventy percent when he enters the game with a losing record. The league average is forty percent. Tomlin is a heck of a motivator when the team potentially could hit a real spiral. So I, I consider Tomlin to be a motivator. If you look at the underdog situation, about you know twenty-eight and two is what the Hitman had. I haven't looked this up yet. As a dog. So, does well when they're below five hundred. Does well as a dog. Does close games against the Ravens. Everything seems to fit here. Closing thoughts.
3: Just that the Baltimore Raven defense has a whole lot of things to look at after that innovation mm. against the Bengals. And this has been a defense that has struggled with innovations and offenses throwing new things at them.
1: So, where what part of the struggle to you it was about the innovation. Like which team?
3: Oh, the Cleveland going into oh, more running with Chubb.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So you're saying going into the 12. That's interesting. Yeah, so more switching up. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Um, oh, we qu- yeah, let's quantify this. We talked about the toughest schedule or Pittsburgh schedule. Uh, Football Outsider says the third toughest schedule and obviously pretty tough. Okay, good stuff. Fazic, best bet, Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, in the contest, plus three. Certainly going to be one of the, or not certainly, but most likely one of the five. And remember, last year I think we had five times out of uh, three picks a week uh, that were best bets, 17 weeks. So out of like 50 times, I think we changed about five. This season we've changed two, so a little ahead of the pace. My best bet, fading the Browns, 49ers, to me, What really just got it so it was a no-brainer to me was when I read about the 12 personnel because the thing that caused me real pause, and I think rightfully so, Browns look mighty good against the Ravens. And to me, it's one of those situations where you got to respect when you're surprised. Betters, to some degree, have to be stubborn. They have to be willing to say, I believe this even though most people believe that. And you know something? If the first time you're wrong, if you're 0 for 1, that gets you off your point, then you didn't really believe it. But you got it. Here's the paradox. You got to be honest with yourself and say, was I right? And if all your assumptions still check out, great. 0 0 for 1 doesn't matter. But if you don't check your assumptions, you're, you're just being too stubborn. So to me, I'm thinking Browns are no good. I keep hearing about, you know, Baker Mayfield's too short. And because the Browns O-line is not strong, they're getting pressure up the middle and there's nowhere to go. If he tries to go right, the D-linemen are faster. I mean, this guy run, runs like a 4-7. He's not, a, a you know, an elite athlete, as Colin's been talking about. He's not. And he can't even outrun the D-linemen. So he keeps running back like in Tecmo Bowl <laughs> and then throwing like a yeah. And I'm thinking, how do you fix that? Well, maybe they fix it by running the heck out of the ball, and which they seem to do. And now Baker Mayfield's becoming more of a game manager. But wait a minute. Is OBJ going to be happy with that?
3: 20 yards last week.
1: So I don't – I mean, the OBJ thing's more long-term, right? But – I think that, the, I mean, we know what this line says. This line says the 49ers are a smidge better, right? Three and a half. Home field's three. Now, I get the whole 49ers as a favorite, not very good. Well, if we thought this was the same 49er team, by the way, they've only covered one out of 15. So at home, as a home favorite, the 49ers. But this is one of those examples to me, of this is a different team. And I've been a Jimmy G hater, I think it's fair to say. Fez, to some degree, you probably get a little bit of a valid victory type once around the block. So I'll, I'll let you do it.
3: Is that a valley victory or a valley victory? What's that? I'm not sure.
1: It's like um, It's like when you have a – you know what's funny is that harkens back to the whole valedictorian Victorian thing. It's a takeoff on valedictorian, Victorian, right? So a Victory makes sense. You've never heard of that, never? Maybe I'm misusing the word. Now I've always heard of a, hmm. You know, since we're tight, we're gonna, you know we're trying to stay on the picks. Let's we'll have this be one that remains a mystery. Or if anyone wants to tweet me that the if if there is any variation of uh, valedictorian Victorian that uh, has to do with, like, a, a val Victory lap, please tweet me. But go ahead, Fess.
3: So talking about Jimmy G, I'd like to give Jimmy G all the credit here, but basically he's just been serviceable. It's been the entire team effort that's been great in QBR. Jimmy G's, I believe, number 15. So nothing special with Mr. Jimmy G. However, that well, – deep- Well, hold on a second. Yeah, what are your numbers? Sir?
1: My numbers, which I'll talk about in a minute, the, the methodology – Well, I'm not talking over your music. (laughs) That's not part of my brain. They got him 17. I'll be candid. Him being an average NFL quarterback is ahead of my thoughts. So that's fine. I think you should be happy with it.
3: Yes, and I will continue to (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe the valid victory... <clears throat> once
1: around wasn't necessarily <laughs> appropriate. I was just trying to be nice. Like, well,
3: let's talk about the team concept. Football is a team game, and overall. Well, not
1: to you and your love of Jimmy G. San
3: Francisco's yards per play differential. I love Jimmy G. Jimmy G and company are plus 1.6. That has them number two in the league behind Dallas. A so really, absolutely fantastic stats. So where's stats. Cleveland
1: by those numbers? And I'll tell the Football Outsiders as you're pointing it up. Football Outsiders has 49ers number four. Brown's number 18.
3: So in Cleveland's actually got pretty good numbers. They're plus .8 yards per play differential.
1: And where's that rank? Take a minute and and look at that. Because to me, I personally believe the following. The whole yards per play thing has gotten to the point where it's – I personally almost think the opposite. If someone's telling me about it, how they love it because of yards per play – there's a old Joe Kennedy story, which was you know JFK's dad, and he was massively invested in the stock market in like 1929. That might ring a bell that year, and he was getting his shoes shined, and the shoe shine guy was saying, "Well, Mister Kennedy, I just bought AT and T or whatever, and I'm so excited about my stock portfolio." And Joe Kennedy said, well, wait a minute. If this guy's buying stocks, it's a bubble. Sold off. Some of the guys I hear talking about yards per play, I want no part of it. Now, what I agree with is pre-Football Outsiders, pre-whatever, that the idea of taking out the turnovers, taking and getting to the every snap makes a ton of sense. But it strikes me places like Football Outsiders spend Thousands of hours a year saying that's our starting point, because you know their main example is it's third and eighteen. You throw for twelve yards, you punt. Was that a successful play? No. But how's it look on your yards? Your precious yards per play looks darn good. Twelve yards. Yeah. So I get it. You can say, but the point is, the quarterback who throws to the to the sticks that completes less of the passes has less yards per play, that quarterback's actually, if everyone got the same amount of BS good numbers and BS bad numbers, because if it's third and one, you get two yards, that's good, right? Absolutely. If that all evened out, I'd be fine with it. But I think some, I don't think Brady's thrown for 12 yards in that spot. You know, spot. it's a
3: great point with New England. How many times do you watch a New England game and they keep Edelman keeps picking up the first down by one yard and that defense keeps stuffing the other team a yard short?
1: Yeah. And and that's something like the sharp analysis stuff is it's looking at what is a successful play. Yes, yeah,
3: successful play, yes or no.
1: And and especially when yards per play don't account for strength of schedule. Now as you get later in the year, I don't care as much because we're talking decimal points. But we just talked about how strength of schedule is so important with Pittsburgh. You know, now listen, in this case the Browns had a pretty tough well, I mean the Jets. And, I mean, I guess we can reevaluate the Ravens and the Rams. Yeah, I mean, let's just say this. The schedule's not as tough as it seemed, but it's still not a bad schedule, right?
3: Not a bad schedule. One thing about that schedule that is quirky is how many big games – that Cleveland has played in a row. So think about this. I know you're playing the Jets. It's still a Monday night game, prime time. And it was the
1: first prime time. I mean, I know they have a bunch the Browns this year, but that was the first one.
3: Yeah. Now you've got a Sunday night game, big game at home against the Rams, and they talked about this is like one of the biggest games in Cleveland in literally a decade. And then you've got that huge- a decade. Decade ever. ever ever, well, since the mistake on the leg or whatever, <laughs> and then the uh, huge divisional game against Baltimore. Those are three straight big games, and I get it. Hey, this is a big game also on Monday Night Football against San Francisco. Well, San Francisco's off a bye, so you can make the case that um, if if you believe in there being a limited number of energy units, if you will, for well, each I don't team. think it's
1: about energy. I think it's about what the contrast. Steve, I'm sure you had that one. Three week period in college where just a confluence of events, you're with one girl, you're with the other girl, you're with the th- right, right? Didn't happen. <laughs> well, let's just say you probably had a time where you got like really good sushi a couple of days in a row or so, or like good burritos or good, you know, like something where if you hadn't had it for a while, the first time would be like, mm, you've been on a cruise. You, Not don't an know, extended you don't know one. the answer?
3: Oh, I've been out on Lake Tahoe for okay, the day. Okay, but you've never been
1: on, like, even a week. Not
3: the Royal Caribbean thing. Yeah,
1: no. because what happens, when I was there as a kid, right? And I was so in a pool shoot, and I brought my pool cue when I was, like, 13 onto the ship. I wasn't real good thinking. <laughs> Imagine the pool table and the way mm-hmm. on. And are <laughs> And True story. And I was an eater. You know, I've actually been trying to moderate myself and doing pretty well. But in my heart, I'm an eater, I promise. And, you know, Italian and, uh, up, you know, it was very social and and family bonding. And that 13 year old kid hits that cruise and there was a buffet, like set up in between meals. You come for breakfast, get the big omelet, the Denver omelet. Mommy, what's a Denver omelet? You know, cheddar, more cheddar. And and then, you know, you probably don't eat anything between, lunch, you know, breakfast and lunch, but it's lunch, another buffet, right, or a big meal, and then dinner, and then there's the midnight buffet. I was happy. Now, listen, I probably was happier with it than most, as in day three, day four. Day six, is like, hey, buffet, buddy. I'm, like, fine with it, but I'm not excited. This is probably the least important game on that schedule in that – the first primetime game, Monday night, right? Rams, Sunday night. Ravens, now it's Monday again, but it's the second time. It's like that buffet again. And it's the 49ers, not quite the same. I agree with you. I think it's not energy, it's excitement. Thoughts?
3: And I think you could make the case San Francisco's been down for so long. They have to be Oh, well, they're off a of bye. And today. they have to be ultra excited. Undefeated Monday night, hey, 49ers are back, baby.
1: Now, Cleveland has the defensive line, or I'm sorry, D back issues. So they still had all but one miss last yeah, week? Yeah,
3: five guys in the secondary were questionable. One of them played, and too early to see if these other four guys are going to be able to come back or not. They're all questionable.
1: We mentioned that to some degree you got to say that there's a surprise factor, and this was the hit, man. Again, it was a great point, so I want to give him double credit for it, is with the Browns surprising the Ravens. And you could say, well, RJ, what about Pittsburgh with Rudolph making his first start, barely, you know, losing in San Fran? Well, Fez, I often am skeptical of these kind of, but the stats, this baby, 15 more first downs for the 49ers, exactly 200 more yards. I mean, that was just a decimation. It just, they were what, minus three. And it's so rare for a team to win minus three, straight up even.
3: And if you watch that game, San Francisco, frankly, played well. They just kept turning it over. I remember yeah. in live wagering, I bet San Francisco— Well, how
1: team, else could they be up 200 yards so and not play like well?
3: San Francisco, I kept betting them to win. And I'm like, now's the time they're going to take the leaf fumble. You know, it's just amazing the confluence of bad things that happened to this team all game long.
1: And to still win. And so, in a weird way, having that close win— makes the bye week even better. And I haven't done this study ever. I'm going to write this down. My speculation is if you have a disappointing game before the bye week, and we could just define that as losing against the spread. By definition, that's disappointment. How do they do after the bye? Because it seems like if you have a dominating win before the bye, maybe you get a little laxadaisical.
3: Yeah, I don't know the numbers, but it makes sense that if you have a really, really great performance, let's face it, it's human nature. Again, the coaching staff's like, everybody, enjoy your time off. Go to a buffet every day. Go on a Royal
1: Caribbean cruise, perhaps. (laughs) You know something? I'm too curious. I'm going to look this up real quick. Fez, you got a last thing. On the body clock stuff.
3: Yeah, just in general, you asked me, Sunday night game, Monday night game, and a West Coast team is participating. Or Thursday night, too, right? Or Thursday night, exactly. Who do I like? And I immediately will lean towards the West Coast team body clock advantage. Think about it. So all these games are kicking off at 5.20, 6 o'clock Pacific time. That's not very late for the West Coast team. And
1: I think what's more important is when the game's ending.
3: Yeah, when the game's ending, it's midnight. Eastern time. So bottom line is it's a big disadvantage to the biological clocks of the teams on the East coast having to play late into the night.
1: Isn't biological clock about having a baby? Tick, for... tick, no. tick. Don't, please don't pull back the curtain too much. It, but what I'm is that the right phrase? Biological clock? Maybe it's physiological. It's like your, it's, it's your biology, but I think biological clock has to do with, uh, the ladies, but maybe I'm wrong. Have you heard it used in other cases?
3: I might have originated it. So when you misuse words, you originate <laughs> new meanings.
1: Now that that if there's anything that's a phasic kind of thing to say, <laughs> did you ever hear this? Steve, kind of bad.
3: No, <laughs> that I do not hear often. <laughs> <happen. laughs> <laughs> I meant before the kid. Oh, never mind. <laughs>
1: uh, well, luckily I've got the numbers, and my intuition was off on this one. It's actually better if you win or cover the game before buy. So So you would think the team would get – maybe it's as they just want to go forget they lost, or maybe there's no logic at all. But it's a little bit – it's like 52 to 48 the other way. But the West Coast on – it makes a ton of sense. I mean – if you're a kid, oh, midnight, that's when Jimmy Kimmel starts, whatever. But these, these professional athletes oftentimes have early commitments, right? I mean, it's not like they're staying up typically till you know, 2 in the morning. And then playing football is different than on, being on the couch, right? We're going to have to find, you know, that study was done and it, it went through and I didn't get it captured and I haven't heard much about it since. But, boy, it really made sense at the time one it doesn't make as much sense final thing on this game monday night football the 49ers ever institutional organizational lifetime record 38 and 13 if you if you had this super winning tradition and you just kept it up even between coaches i get it bill wall you know it's like the steelers now at home on monday night having i think it's been 17 straight straight up wins but here it feels like this is a organization kind of climbing out of the pit. So this is one I don't give a lot of stock to, but, boy, 38-13. and 13. Wrap it all up. Best bet for me, 49. I mean, th- I just don't get it, Fez. Football Outsider says number four for the 49ers. Number 18 for the Browns. What do, what do you say?
3: Number seven, 49ers. Number 12, Browns.
1: Twelve. That's insane who's who's thirteen the banged up chargers so you think the chargers and the Browns would be pick them on a neutral yes, maybe with the line the way it is here and who's one above them
3: Baltimore and
1: what was the the line was seven right?
3: Yeah, crazy.
1: It's not crazy. it means you can't be right there's no way there's a
3: four point <laughs> adjustment,
1: right. I know you can say that line's inflated, but come on. That makes me like the pick even more. Fez even got fooled. All right, next game. We go to London. I mean, we're not going to lose all the fun. Bears, Raiders, five, five and a half different numbers out there in London against the Raiders. This is a double like. We got all of Brad's notes. He has Chicago. Fez, you've got Chicago. Main reason why you like the Bears.
3: I don't like the Oakland travel spot here. So Oakland went to Indianapolis. They got a win, and they travel straight to London. Sure sounds like a good strategy to me. Why would you want to fly back to the West Coast? But think about this. We got an Oakland team. Many feel is undisciplined, not buttoned up. Do you feel they're undisciplined? I do.
1: So many don't matter. It's what you feel. Right?
3: I feel they're undisciplined, not buttoned up. They're off a win. They go to London, and what's the book on teams that go to London? Well, I do know this: Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars had traveled to London game after year after year after year. And what the Jacksonville Jaguar coaches said: "Hey, we kind of figured it out. We used to go out there early. We thought it made sense to get acclimate to the foreign country. Now that strategy did not work well. It was much better to travel later in the week because, unlike." maybe having a training camp within the U S like in a youngstown Ohio or something and have the team stay and practice for a week, trying to make that happen in London is extremely difficult with the distractions of a week in a foreign country.
1: Yeah. I mean, these are young men, um, very testosterone driven, a lot of trouble possibilities and also obviously fatigue, you know, even when you, you know, even when you're young and you travel, it's fatiguing and, Not just the plane trip. Because in a way, getting acclimated can also be recovering from the plane trip, right? Jet lag and all that stuff. I think that's why the logic was there originally. You said it. Jacksonville is certainly no paradigm of efficiency as an organization. But you do it year after year. They figured out later is better. They've performed better in, in London, it seems, since. Also... We always ask, what would Belichick do? That's what I ask. Well, we know. Belichick played, and sleepy he did some good research on this. Belichick played with the Pats in 2009 in London. They flew in overnight on the red eye the night before the game. Saturday night they flew in. Think about, or I guess Saturday night into Sunday. Shows up, busted the game. That makes a ton of sense, actually. Don't even, didn't even have a hotel, right? I'm assuming they flew. I mean, maybe they did after the game, but if they fly in, who knows how they did it? But it was like a short period of time, kind of like the Stones would do. Remember Spicoli when he was having the dream and he he won a surfing champ. You've seen Fast Times Ridge on High, right? And
3: you guys are invited. Yes.
1: Yeah. He goes. So what's next, Spicoli? They actually goes. I figure I'm going to jump on over to London and party with the Stones. (laughs) Oh, that's great, man. You know, not many of those old comedies hold up. That holds up. 35-7 Patriots in that game. They were favored by 15 and a half, but 35-7. Now, in 2012, same thing, 45-7 against the Rams, favored by a touchdown. And the London, or check that, the Mexico City game, couple years ago same thing they came into mexico city late they actually stayed back in denver at the altitude so belichick got the bo- bo- both the best of both worlds he got acclimated his team to the altitude but he was in america eating good american food drinking the water with abandon
3: i don't think he was drinking with abandon drinking the water oh yes
1: do you get the reference
3: yeah, in Don't, Mexico. Yeah, you got to be careful with uh, what uh, stomach flu or ailment you might get in Mexico. Yes.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Fa- <laughs> well, listen, we're gonna just say the fall. I, I, I got nothing against Mexico City, but have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Well, it happened to me in Mexico City. <laughs> I love it. I agree with you on th- this element. On one hand. Now, maybe the Raiders, there's no better choice, meaning because they are West Coast, maybe whatever downside there would be would have been at least equal by flying back and then flying those hours again and keep on going. I don't know. Right. But it was it does make the West Coast teams at a disadvantage in these London games.
3: And you got to question whether if it was Belichick, maybe he would have just uh, scout out some place in Indianapolis to practice for five days and then flown out. Right.
1: You mean like a Youngstown type situation? Yes. With the 49ers. That's an interesting point, actually. But that would have taken extra work. (laughs) Yes. And that's kind of (laughs) segueing into the next point here. Gruden, whatever he is, the whole grinder thing doesn't seem to be the case relative to other NFL coaches, or at least the elite. In almost every situation, if you said, what are the trends that really are telling about how good a coach is? I would say, well, how do they do off a loss, right? A great coach off a loss is going to really take – he doesn't want to lose that second game. How do they do as underdogs? And if you go through the list, a guy like Belichick, it's almost shocking how great he is off a loss, how great he is as a dog. And with Gruden, you look at some of these numbers, like road, right, road performance. They just won in Indianapolis. Let's get a nice win. But 2-8 and eight straight up now on the road, 3-7 and seven against the spread in his return to coaching. And that's with a win. The guy's not buttoned up. They played in London last year. 27-3 they lost. Off that win, Gruden off a win since he's come back, 0-5 against the spread. Hmm, small sample, minus 11 point spread differential. So literally they lost by 55 or so combined points against the spread in five games. Fat and happy. We won one, guys. Let's have a beer. Knock on wood. What's he do? <laughs>
3: Pass out the game balls. Everyone take Monday off. I'll see you all on Tuesday. Knock on wood if you're with me, man.
1: Is that how he says it? Knock on wood if you're with me. Exactly. Huh. So, yeah, take Tuesday off. That's pretty good. So I agree with you. I don't think this kind of trip benefits a non-detail guy, and Gruden is, it seems. And I agree with you. History tells us, go, even if you are detail, going late it's By the way, in those three kind of, hey, throw out the book. These are different situations. Somehow Belichick figured them out. In those games, he outscored his opponent. Two London games, one Mexico City game, 113-22. to A point differential ATS of 62 points, even with the big spreads. Hmm, that's about, that's got to be at least 20 points a game, right, Fez?
3: <laughs> and you got a question when you see something like that, why doesn't the rest of the league just copy what the genius has been doing, right?
1: Well, why doesn't every other podcast try to be this? There you go. They don't have Fazic. Uh. All right. Number one. Is that the only reason, Fez?
3: No, second reason. Trubisky. I think the team had lost faith in Trubisky. There's a lot of talk about there are certain fundamental things he could not do right, and, frankly, the offense had been struggling. So in comes Chase Daniel. Got to be honest here. I got Trubisky rated a point better than Chase Daniel as a quarterback. Now, that's if they played over the long run, 50 games on average. But right now, I think the energy bump – that the Bears are going to get with Chase Daniel replacing Trubisky, I think it's worth two points, RJ. I think that the team is so excited that Trubisky isn't going to be behind center that the entire team is going to play harder under Chase Daniel. So I think it is a net positive for the Bears.
1: I'd clarify a few things. One, I don't know if they play harder. I think they play with more enthusiasm. It's kind of a different thing, Mm -hmm. right? But I think the net results the same. And I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, you can't look at Trubisky and think, and let's be honest, even as a first-round pick, he's still on his rookie deal. He's still making good money. He's making more than a lot of the players in that locker room. And I think that's a Kirk Cousins-type problem, even more so, that we'll talk about. But you talk about long run.
2: Well, I suspect in the long run, the story is we all go broke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's one of the greats. From Luck, the HBO show about horse racing, these, this group of misfits won two big jackpots. And at the end of the season, it ended up being the end of the series, they're sitting around having a barbecue, laughing, having fun. And one of them goes, because the guy that was talking, there's like the senior guy, he's the smartest guy. And they're like, what do you think happens to us? What do, what's going on? How could we be? You guys in the long run, I think we go broke. <laughs> at the horse track, that's very likely to be true. So I've got a few ideas here. Now we did this for straight out of Vegas first and we are going to dig even deeper here and that's kind of the difference. I did some research on quarterbacks. I think with all of these young quarterbacks and some of them are doing exceptionally well which means against the spread which means the market is mispricing they're undervaluing these backups, these accidental starters as I call them. So I said we can go by the eye test like some do. We could go by one quote unquote advanced metric or we can do a blend. I'm a big fan of blends because as long as you trust each sort or each source, there's sort of a wisdom of crowds to it. And when I say sort of is, you know, the classic wisdom of crowds, the crowd can't be three, but in a weird way, each of these algorithms each have dozens of factors. So there's a lot of factors being considered and, it's QBR, and I get the people who are anti-ESPN sometimes. The more I dug into QBR, the more I like it. That might be my favorite, actually. The second is pro football focus, and the third, and unfortunately, this is one of those advanced metric sites. I forgot to write down the exact URL, so I promise next week I'll tell, but it's a very respected um, amongst the more hardcore people that has their own, you know, ranking system. So I ranked them. I didn't care if it's one to a hundred, one to five hundred. I just ranked them one to forty-two, and then I took a blend. So let me give you an example. Dak Prescott number one, okay. Dak Prescott's ranking: QBR two, Pro Football Focus four, the High IQ place seven, okay. You blend it. He's got a four point three average, and that is the best. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. He's three, and I'm always going to go QBR first, so ESPN's the biggest, pro football focus, and then the smaller one last. Mahomes, three, nine, two. Okay. All right. Russell Wilson, next. Lamar Jackson. There's a debate. I agree. Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Drew Brees. I'm going to skip one because it's for a fact. Phillip Rivers. Skip one. Matthew Safford. Skip one. Matt Ryan. Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy G. Okay. We've gone through the top 17 with a few skips. We can debate Aaron Rodgers, though I wouldn't. I think he's probably about 12 at this point. I know it sounds crazy. Numbers say, but it's only a small season so far. We can debate. Bait Lamar Jackson, I would make the following case. This isn't saying he's the fifth-best quarterback. It's saying he's the fifth-best-performing quarterback. And considering not just the level of competition, which is accounted for, I think, in all—I know in QBR it is. It's also the fact that they were running so effectively and they had so many surprises this spring. You complete a couple long passes because they're bunched up again, and maybe if he's able to keep running, this will be who he is. But I think that it's a little skewed. So I trust the number. it's just I think it's not telling about the future offense yeah,
3: yeah, and you are the one that predicted that that Baltimore offense would be at its most productive level in the first quarter of the season.
1: No, I, I, you know to be honest, they've actually underperformed what I thought, but I certainly was optimistic about it. You're right about that. I was I mean I wasn't even I kind of felt like I was wrong, even though they were you know the offense has been good. It's just I thought they'd be really good. Now I'm going to read the bottom. I'm going to start at 26 to 42, because I'm doing this for effect also. 26, Sam Darnold. Oh, everyone's darling. Okay. 27, Jared Goff. Hmm, We'll get to that. I guess we won. It's a Thursday game. Kyler Murray, 28. Andy Dalton, 29. Tell me when you disagree. Eli Manning, 31. And I'm just going to read it now. No uh, numbers next to it. Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Josh Allen might surprise some people, Josh Rosen, Fez's favorite or second favorite, Kirk Cousins, (laughs) Luke Falk, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mitchell Trubisky, Cam Newton, Big Ben, Matt Barkley, and finally the worst of the worst, 42 In every one of the three sources, that's almost mind-blowing. The only one I think anyone could actually debate is Cam Newton. I mean, oh, my God, Cam Newton 40. I think the way Cam Newton played was 40. I mean, Fez, what do you think?
3: Maybe 41. It was horrible.
1: (laughs) No, yeah. I mean, and again, who knows how injured he was. I think he probably was very injured. All right. So, otherwise, this feels almost like a bulletproof list. I mean, obviously, Kirk Cousins is playing poorly. I mean, again, Murray, Dalton, Manning, Keenum, Bridgewater, Allen. Now, that one, let's look at Allen 6.9 yards per attempt. And you know what's funny? There's no disagreement. QBR says 31. PFF says 35. And high, high IQ analytics say 33. I mean, these three are raw. In fact, this is the least. Amount of variance you'll see on hardly anyone. So they agree with Josh Allen, Rosen, Cousins, Falk, Fitzpatrick. Now, Fitzpatrick's had good years, but not this year. Trubisky, Newton, Big Ben was horrendous, and Haskins. So the the top makes a ton of sense. The bottom makes a ton of sense. Now, as we deal with these quarterbacks, we will address quickly each where they stand. But here's the key to all of it. Only 30 passes. Chase Daniel's number nine. Nine. So what I've heard, what I've heard is Chase Daniel, because he was with, and, and actually Jonas mentioned this on the SOV today, You know, he was with Nagy at various times, at least one other time. And the whole playbook's at Nagy's disposal now, where before with Trubisky, physical limitations, mental, whatever, didn't feel like the whole playbook was in. So even if Daniels is obviously less gifted physically, I think Daniels uh, is going to run this offense better and net-net be better. So I agree with you, Fez, with the whole inspiration and all that stuff, more energy because finally Trubisky's on the bench. I think, though, even on the field, Daniels is going to be better. And Trubisky's never had a game, I think, that would have put him ninth on this list.
3: And Daniels, arguably, went ahead and took the foot off the gas. The Bears were coasting that game against the Vikings, sixteen to nothing. So there could have he could have done even better if the game had been closer. I think.
1: Yeah, or you could make the case that when you're in the lead, it's when it's easier to pass. You do play actions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they don't expect you to pass. Kind of. Ble- I guess at what point did Trubisky get hurt? Because he threw the ball thirty times. No, or-
3: Daniels didn't.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Daniel, at what point did Trubisky get yeah, hurt? Yeah, early, early in the because game. Because he threw the ball 30 times, meaning who we were talking about,
3: Chase Daniel. Right, it, it was early in the game, I don't know the exact moment.
1: But you had a monster bet on Minnesota, didn't you?
3: Yes, I. not my best work. But I, I th-
1: you think you would have sat and watched the game and, and, and figured out what went wrong. Have you watched the game since? I have. So when did he get hurt?
3: It was, it, I just remember first quarter, I don't okay. remember the exact yeah.
1: time. That's enough, first quarter, that's what I'm asking. All right, Brad had a really good point. Khalil Mack's playing his former team, and and I don't think they need – I mean, this Bears team needs to win games, yeah, but I don't think they need extra motivation, but I think it's there with Mack. And let's be honest, this Bears defense plays on energy. It feels like a very much momentum. When, when they've got energy, they're like uh, flying around the field type, and if Mack, even just him, has extra energy – it's a good thing for Chicago, right?
3: Yeah, I'm having a flashback to Fast Times at Ridgemont High when Jefferson yeah. got angry. We could see Mac in that kind of mode, right?
1: That's a good pull there. That's true. With his Camaro got messed up, right? <laughs> that was Forrest Whitaker. Last thing. This came from the Hitman. We actually got some sound on the Hitman. Oh, this is interesting. I texted him. There was a little contradiction. He got back to me. So here's what the Hitman said. He said, hey. Bears get a lot of pressure. Third, I think he had him ranked. Then he said Carr last season was the worst quarterback when it came to pressure, where when he was under pressure, his performance dropped more than any other quarterback. Now, part of my analysis of the quarterbacks happened to be looking at the differential with and without pressure. And this season, Carr's the best under pressure. So his response was, I haven't seen that yet this season. Good stuff. I'm not ready to say he turned the corner. He struggled for the entire 17, 18 season. And that was the knock on him coming out of Fresno State. Mm hmm. Okay. This is a perfect example. I agree with him that in general, sample size rolls. But when the sample size doesn't have, prog- uh, doesn't have recency, it's when it gets interesting. Would you rather have nine games and it be the last nine games? Or would you rather have 32 games that started, you know, a year ago, some of them? That's the debate. I don't think there's any, I mean, maybe there is science to it. No handicapper I know has that figured out. Generally, Fez, how do you come down to that divide?
3: I might weight the current year's data twice what the prior year's was. So 32 to nine would still overwhelm what, what, um, Current year, only four games. The prior years have to dominate here.
1: I think you're right. But it would be a lot nicer if he was also uh, struggling against pressure this year. Then it's an easy one. Yes. Net net, we've got Brad liking Chicago. we got Fez liking Chicago. And I like Chicago. In fact, I gave that to Adam Carolla. Six and one on the season with Adam. So that's good. Bengals. Fez's home team, pretty much. Three and a half plus a hundred. Cardinals, Fez. This is your derivative bet.
3: Yes, derivative bet. I'm going to the first half. Going to the well again against the Arizona Cardinals in the first half. I'm going to back the Bengals minus two and a half. And RJ, it's all about this Arizona Cardinal team. Just does not perform so far in the first half. So why is Arizona struggling to score so much in the first half? Well, that. Offense just does not work unless the defense wears down, which happens in the second half because of the pace of play. So Arizona, so many three and outs, so much lack of success in the first half. And not only does that mean Arizona doesn't score, that leaves Arizona's defense out for more plays in the first half where their defense has struggled because of the more plays being run by their opponents to stop their opponents who are averaging 17 points per first half against them.
1: Now with these derivatives and even with teasers, there's a couple different ways to do it. One way, what I, what I like to do is I like the game in general, and then I think, but my edge is even stronger in a given half, a given quarter, whatever. Sometimes, though, especially with these advantage teasers, you can be neutral on the game and still like a teaser. Is this that you like the Bengals, but you like them more in the first half, or is this purely that the first half, second half splits – are such that you hope the line is right. You hope three and a half is right. That means you think you've got an ad.
3: It's purely the first half and the second half splits. Uh, Let's be honest. After watching Monday Night Football with the Bengals, it's hard to be bullish.
1: Yeah, but if anything, that's the time to bet a team.
3: Fair enough. And one thing about the Bengals is that as poorly as they've done, they have had a difficult strength of schedule, um, rated seventh hardest by... um
1: So did you really say I, – I I did a double take and I had to think about it. Did you really say they looked bad on Monday night so I can't play them?
3: <laughs> I did. I just said it was hard to play them. <laughs> I mean, come on. Go ahead. Well, you, you know, this it is, is – It a- is hard,
1: but no. What you're saying is that by you saying hard, you meant like, well, I couldn't possibly like them. It didn't mean like this is me showing uh, my guts, right? <laughs> you're Right. All right. Go ahead. Uh think that's the... No, no, it's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about this game a little bit beforehand. Bengals have had a tough strength of schedule. Uh, Football Outsiders has them number seven. Seattle, San Fran, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh looked pretty good. O-line, big issue. Yeah. And we saw it on Monday night.
3: Absolutely. Gave up the eight sacks. Could not protect Dalton at all. You know, one thing I'll give um, the Bengal coaching staff credit for.
1: oh They
3: they actually ran some some, I thought, good plays to stop the pass rush their screen passes for whatever reason pittsburgh smelled them out good job by the pittsburgh
1: so that doesn't sound like defense a, it doesn't sound like a, a thumbs up to the coaches that they couldn't even figure out a screen that would work
3: well at least it wasn't in a case of oh maybe you should run a draw or a screen at least they tried
1: so this is guys this is you're seeing it live in person post-traumatic stress from being a bangles fan That somehow the fact you tried something that wasn't obvious, that didn't work, is cause for celebration. (laughs) Let me ask you a question there's different theories. There's a certain type of person that doesn't want to lose. Like, I was lucky. I grew up, the closest major college was The Ohio State University. So even before I was an alum or went there, I was a fan. The closest NFL city was the Pittsburgh Steelers. I won four Super Bowls between the age of 5 and 10. Winning was in my blood. Woody Hayes when I was a little baby. Now, you could have been a fan of Pittsburgh. What made you like the Bengals? Like, and at what point did you say, you know, it's not good for my brand or my personal self-image to associate with a losing team?
3: Well, the reason I liked the Bengals, I was unfortunate enough to start paying attention to football when I was about 12 years old, 1973, 1974.
1: So you're saying when you were like 8, 9, 10, you didn't... You were, were, were you, was there, were you playing with like dolls and stuff? Reds.
3: Found the big red machine. I don't even know. Oh, so you were a big, okay. I so Baseball was number one back then. And okay. then I kind of discovered football and I was so unlucky. I didn't know it at the time because the Bengals had two good years. Okay. Where they were like in contention for the playoffs. Wait a minute, in the early made,
1: 70s? Yeah, yeah. They made it like. So for you a good year was it being contention, like an eight and eight year. I guess it was fourteen games. They
3: actually had like an eleven and three year when your Steelers went twelve and two and they made the playoffs and lost to the Raiders in the Coliseum. And so
1: that was the big, big one when we but, were. Just, but it happened. We were like people pick up shirts at Kmart. We were knocking out Super Bowl. But
3: think about how unlucky this. It's almost like if someone starts gambling at the slot machines and they win like the first time that they go to the casino and then they're, they're they keep going back. It's like the Bengals had a winning year when they started. Yeah, but here is the
1: thing, Steve. It's like if Winnie Cooper in the Wonder Years was 400 pounds, Kevin Arnold wouldn't have said, I was so unlucky to have the girl next door be 400 pounds. He would say, Hey, Winnie's a nice friend, but you know that girl across the street or two blocks down? I like her. You didn't have to be a Bengals fan. Well, I stuck with the 400
3: pound Bengal lineman for the next, like, 12 to 15 years. In- oh, so
1: you're saying you've given up on them? Oh,
3: God, yes. Now I'm a mercenary. I root for whoever I bet on. Yeah, but on.
1: you still got a little interest in the Bengals.
3: You know what? If I bet $20 against no, I'm them. No, tw- I'm not saying
1: that at all. I'm saying, but all things equal, you want the Bengals Yes. To win. That's what a fan is. Yes. It's just a very fair weather fan. In a weird way, once you locked in, you have to go for the ride. I'm a fan. No that matter how boring it might be. No
3: fanatic in me. <laughs>
1: Brad Powers had an interesting point. Kyler Murray is on pace to be sacked 80 times this season. That's a lot. But if you look at my, and one of the things I did in my quarterback work was find out how a player did so far against pressure, and Kyler Murray is actually number 11. So meaning he's not overly affected by pressure. Thank God, I think, for him and for any Cardinal fans out there. Last thing, David Johnson. Now, I made fun of Fez on the radio show today about, like, you know, some vague recollection of David Johnson being one of the higher-ranked fantasy guys. He's played three full games out of the four. He's had six catches, six catches, eight catches. Now, this came from the hitman, again, the player stuff. The Bengals are giving up the most receiving yards in the NFL – two running backs. So if you're a fantasy guy, that David Johnson might look juicy. If I was not to be honest with you, I think you might be a little square with the whole... I get that there's some logic to Kyler Murray when the other team's tired, but I looked at the numbers regarding the games when they're within 10 points or not, because that's kind of junk time or with a big lead. It's easier to pass. Kyler Murray... Is number 12, meaning he is not worse. He's above average for not having better stats when the range is off, you know, or, or when, the, when it's a blowout. So, to repeat, I broke down the quarterbacks into two buckets. One is the games within 10 points, plus or minus doesn't match within 10, or it's not. That's number two. And then I said, well, how much of a drop-off is there potentially in the closer games? Because the theory is if you're behind a lot, it's easy to throw, right?
3: Absolutely. Backdoor. And
1: I'm saying Kyler Murray is number 12 out of 42 quarterbacks that I have ranked that he's not a, he doesn't benefit greatly from being outside the 10-point range. He hmm. plays just as well or better than average normally. Now, I know the points are that way, but... I don't know I might press the button here. I'm worried you got two and a half. What's the current money line on it? one ten one ten
3: yes, it is
1: the first half
3: you know what? I don't wanna lie. uh-huh, I think minus a dollar eighteen would be more like oh the current so so, so wait a yeah, minute, minus a dollar eighteen. take us into the phasic mind
1: <laughs> because it's amazing. That I could say, "Hey, is is minus 110 110? And your first, your instinct—it's that, that the Malcolm Gladwell—is
3: you just lie? What was the I'm, thing? I'm mentally looking at the screen right now, and, oh. I, and it's it's. Saying, so you saying you answered the question before you even had the information? And it's minus two and a half lay at our ten. Minus two and a half lay at our ten. Minus two and a half lay our twenty. Minus three even money. Minus two and a half lay a our ten. And I know I'm betting on Arizona, so I just mentally like delete out like the half of the books that don't have the number I'm looking for.
1: I think that's kind of fair. Meaning if you're given a, our goal is that anyone that's making half an effort to win can get this number. We think actually, in fact, we know that you'll do better if you have, you know, four books, three books. I think you probably do equal to our record, maybe a little better You're not going to do worse with three. If you have one book, you don't want to win. So, I mean, we've talked about that at length. You want to win, you just don't want to do the work. It's like the guy who eats the second piece of cheesecake. The one piece of cheesecake you can say is human. You eat the second piece, you don't want to be thin. (laughs) So, it's just interesting. (laughs) You even try to cheat me. I mean, I guess, you know, people get a moniker for a reason.
2: I'm the dirtiest player in the game.
1: As you deserve it. Guilty. David Johnson.
0: You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's
3: Dream Preview.
1: All right. Next game. Next up, Panthers, Jags. I should say, first, Fez did some really good research and, you know, more just spotted it, not the research, with some of these accidental starters and how they're doing against the spread.
3: 11-0, RJ.
1: Now, who's on the list?
3: Jacksonville, Minshew, Pittsburgh, Rudolph, New York Giants, Daniel Jones, New Orleans, Bridgewater, and Carolina, Kyle Allen.
1: And I think there's some logic here in that we're leaving out the Jets because there's a third-string guy, or specifically Falk is third-string. They haven't played a game without a third-stringer playing most of the snaps since Darnold had to miss the prom and got mono. (laughs) And obviously Dwayne Haskins Haskins hasn't even started a game. But what I find interesting is, and really your numbers on – these rookie or these accidental starters has really got me thinking about how good these quarterbacks are. It got me thinking about how to assess that. And here's what I know of all the quarterbacks that we look at 42 of them. Kyle Allen is number 11 and the stash is 13. So let's look at the, the, the various platforms. Allen is 11 and QBR 22 PFF, and number five at the high IQ analytics place. In Minshew, number 22 QBR, number 13 PFF, and number eight at the high IQ. So it's interesting. The high IQ place has both of these guys high, and the other place is not as high. But let me read the names around. This is amazing. One through 17 again. Dak, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Wentz, Breeze, Chase Daniel, Philip Rivers, Kyle Allen, Matthew Stafford, Minshew, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G. So we can say these numbers. Don't make sense, except they do make sense in almost every case. So now the exception makes me like
3: the over. What do you think? 41. Well, you got two quarterbacks in the top 15. That, that I think are underrated. And absolutely. And, and they might they it, might
1: feel competitive with each other, too.
3: You know, and you know, we haven't talked that much about Minshew, but his performance. Well, you have, that, but it's been private. Dash's performance in Denver was something else. There was 20-mile-an-hour wind that he was playing in. So think about it. The one thing I'm confident of, that all of these different insiders, in terms of their quarterback ratings, do not take into consideration, it's the weather. And the weather was bad in Denver.
1: So what you're saying is, for example, if you're playing uh, oftentimes in bad weather, you've got to account for that. Yes. Yeah.
2: Women, we can lay.
1: Just felt like it was related to you and Minshew. <laughs> Now, what causes me a little pause with the sack or the over Jacksonville, and Brad Powers brings this up, 14 sacks the last two games. Now, obviously good for defense. These guys have protected the ball, combined 11 touchdowns, one interception, but maybe not totally, and boy... I think it's a concern when it comes to Allen.
3: Yeah, Kyle Allen fumbled the ball three times on strip sacks against Houston last week. And in fact, Kyle Allen, two games played, five fumbles. So concerns about... No, no, I, I don't think
1: saying that in that voice is right because think about this. How many times does a... You know, do me a favor and look this up as we're talking. How many times does Tom Brady fumble in a year? Because five in two games, let me see. Yep, two and a half a game. The idea that that's like, I'm going to say it in this voice trying to make things. No, this is like, oh my. And Sleepy did some work as we were talking about it. <laughs> I should leave this one to you, Fez. But Alan has his hand span nine and three eighths inches Below average. And, in fact, we found a news story where he's, like, screaming, it's not my hand size. My hand size is just fine. What's the Brady numbers?
3: In 2013, Brady fumbled six times. Mm-hmm. Since then, he has not fumbled more than five. In a season. In an entire season.
1: So, from 2014 on. It's
3: basically been four, five, four, five.
1: So from 2013 on, yes, hasn't fumbled more than five times. Yes. Allen's fumbled five times in two games. Yes, that's big. big, but it makes me like the over more because fumble I mean more turn if I told you there's a game that has nine turnovers over right? because they're, they're going to be strip sacks or it's going to go both ways. sometimes you're going to fumble down in the in the uh, red zone, but still. And
3: even when you fumble or throw an interception in the red zone, it doesn't mean the defense doesn't return it all the way. Look at the Detroit Lions against Kansas City.
1: Have you ever st- done a study on turnovers versus scoring?
3: I know it's correlated. I have never done a study.
1: Okay. I'm going to do that. All right. What else you got? Anything?
2: Hand side- defense. It's
3: not the hands. It's the defense. Carolina defense has been exceptional, R.J., in terms of yards per play, my favorite metric, Carolina's second in the league, football outsiders, which is a much, much more in depth calculation, of course. So, your
1: favorite is the, the fast or shallow metric?
3: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Quick and dirty. The duct tape method. Um, number five, football outsiders has them in um, overall defense. Yeah. I got to be honest. I'm going
1: to do it. Impromptu best bet over. <laughs> 41 check the number let's see if i can get a better number i mean let's fair and i'll go on to the next game as we're talking next game painted 41 perfect i'm not surprised over (laughs) vikings at the giants vikings on the road fez's favorite team favored by five and a half
3: I'm excited about this Giants game here, Arjun. You sound it. You sound it. <laughs> Daniel Jones, number three in QBR. That's just one metric. I'm very interested to see what your advanced numbers say about Mr. Jones.
1: Yeah, I, I tell you, I was a little bit skeptical of QBR, too, just because, I mean, ESPN's ESPN, right? So there's some degree you want to say, oh, they're square, you know. They've got a, I think his last name's Oliver, a guy who's really one of the founders of the sabermetric movement doing analytics, you know, kind of the director of analytics. I think this number's really good, Not, I, but here's the thing, and this shows you how doing a blend is important. And amongst my 42, because remember, your number three is correct, Fez, but that's amongst qualifying quarterbacks. But I wanted to get the, you know, the Big Ben's in there, and you know what's funny, the number one quarterback <laughs> is actually Nick Foles. He only had eight passes, but he's number one in QBR, number two in PFF, and number one in the high IQ one. So it's funny. Everyone's acting like Jacksonville was... And again, it was eight throws, but everyone's acting like Jacksonville was so stupid. But Foles didn't have some great injury propensity,
3: right? No, he did not. Just a whole lot of variance in his career.
1: I still don't... I still question. If you take away when... Uh, oh, I'm having a mental block. The Rams coach, it was horrible. He was the Tennessee Titans coach. Fisher, yeah, Fisher. You take away the Fisher years, I don't think there's been. I, I know there was a 20 and five year right with Chip Kelly, 20 touchdowns and five interceptions. You know, I thought it was even
3: better than that, but it was really good.
1: Doesn't sound like variance. It sounds like Jeff Fisher. But anyway, is I got uh, Daniel Jones five with all of the 42 quarterbacks in the QBR at PFF. 25, high IQ 27. So listen, I don't this is the biggest disparity, but you add it up, he's 22. So Allen and Minshew clearly better, but he is third on the list. Mason Rudolph is at 25. Kyler Murray, 28. And then all the way down to Teddy Bridgewater, who I've been fading at least. Well, I did it again with the Cowboys last week, too, at 32, Bridgewater. Hmm. What's the, I mean, obviously this Vikings hubbub dot stop in the locker room. What do you think of it?
3: You know, I don't know what to make of it. You've got a situation where both the wide receivers, Diggs and Thielen, are vocally coming out to saying, Get me the ball. Why am I not getting the ball? And Kirk Cousins basically said initially, hey, I got to look at it. He's the- home counting his money. He's home counting as $84 million on his contract. And he's saying, you know, i gotta look at, I got to go ahead and look at the film. And this surprised me. So he came back and he said, you know, I looked at the film. It's on me. These guys, I should have gotten them the ball, and I was unable to. So uh, interesting well, dynamic. That, yeah,
1: I like – I mean, I, if everyone's always going to deny culpability, that's always bad. Uh, to me, the gripe on – remember – to some degree, you got to respect pedigree at quarterback. The guy who's six four, the guy's got the rocket arm. I don't think they all. Uh, in fact, I know they don't always succeed. But I know that it's hard to be super elite without it. And as much as Brady has his limitations, it's not arm strength and it's not physical. I mean, Brady's like six five, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's just height. But Cousins came out wasn't a top pick for a reason. They said he was gun shy to pull the trigger. He, he wanted to make the safe throw. And historically, his teams have done better against lesser opponents where you don't have to make the tough throw as much. And on the road against elite opponents, horrible. Where, where you backed him last week, exactly.
3: Yeah, you keep bringing that up, rightfully so. As um... I, I spent a week trying to stop you. I stopped you on the super contest at least. Yeah, the good news you stopped me on the super contest, you stopped me from giving it out as a premium play to our clients. So that's good news.
1: Yeah, well, that is good. Well, that's the most important your little pit and even if you're betting whatever dimes you're betting on it, I respect you care, but it's like always, always the customer first, Faz. I know you I I know it goes against your nature. (laughs) Home field, you've got your power rankings. Now, Giants are one of nine teams that have the lowest home field ranking in yours of two, but you think the enthusiasm might – or it's leading to a reevaluation.
3: Exactly right, because why would I have a team only having a two-point home field advantage? Well, I looked at all these teams, and typically – all these teams have one thing in common: they don't have much in way of crowd noise. Makes sense that part of the home field advantage is disrupting the opponent's offense with extra crowd noise. And the Giants, it's frankly been a quiet stadium. I don't think that's that's going to be the case at least going forward with Daniel Jones and all of the excitement. Oh, you say at
1: least going forward, short at least term. in the short term, exactly. Right,
3: And thank you in the short term. So right now, I expect to be one of the most excited Giants crowd that we have seen in years with Daniel Jones here.
1: Still, you're not even going to bring him up to average, right? You're just going to bring him up from the cellar. Yes. Because there's so many components other than crowd noise. We don't even know, because I don't think we've heard it for, at this stadium with the Jets and Giants, how much of an effect it has.
3: Yeah, so we take a conservative approach. We have them at two. The NFL average is three. Let's bump them up by half a point to I think
1: that's half. sound thinking. Brad Powers likes Minnesota. And, I'm boy, if three and a half I'm batting this. I'm surprised it's a little high, but listen, here's what we know for sure. Mike Zimmer has been the best ATS coach in football, and it's not even close. From the day he took the head job, and I haven't updated it this year, he was in the sixty-six percent range. Belichick was in the sixty during the same period. That's it. I mean. Think about that. Break even is fifty-three, you know, obviously fifty-two point three eight, fifty-three or so, seven points up to Belichick at number two, and then seven more to Zimmer. And his best role, and again, this is good stuff from Brad, Zimmer against non divisional opponents, off a loss. So this is the perfect situation for a great coach. Off a loss, playing someone out of division. So you're thinking, well. Some teams take this less seriously, but Zimmer doesn't, especially off a loss. Sixteen and three with one push. Sixteen and three against the spread—pretty
3: strong. I'm trying to come up with the percentage on the sixteen and three, and it's not popping up in my head. Well, what?
1: it's almost twenty, so it's going to be times five. So fifty, eighty. So it's a little less 82? than eighty, or it'd be a little bit. No, it'd be a little less. A little less. Right? A little less yeah. yeah. So
3: that's um, hold on. Yep. It's hard to sneeze at a 16-and-3. And, and again, the
1: sample's small, but the logic is there. The so.
3: logic most certainly is indeed there, and the question is, how, how are the Vikings going to respond with these internal issues? I'm not certain.
1: I agree. I agree. Hitman didn't have very much on this one. See, so we, we give Listen, the creme de la creme is what we're going for. Next up, Patriots on the road, favored by 15-and-a-half. Some would say the Deadskins. Faz you like the total in this game.
3: Yeah, I like under 42. But a caveat, RJ, I only like it if Haskins does not start for Washington.
1: Now that seems counterintuitive. So you're saying I like, I hope there's no, you know, not many points, less points than expected. Oh, by the way, the worst quarterback in RJ's composite ranking. In fact, of the three sources, let's see if we see a trend here. 42 quarterbacks. Haskins, forty-two QBR, forty-two PFF, forty-two. High IQ
3: analytics. Hmm. So why concerned about turnovers by Haskins? And turnovers can lend lend themselves to more points, especially when you consider so Washington turnovers
1: can blah, blah 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 blah. Say
3: that again. Turnovers in help in a normal voice. Turnovers help overs especially when the team is a 15-point underdog like Washington that oftentimes could be turning the ball over deep in their own territory. Throwing from behind. Yes, creating quick scores for the New England Patriots, thus sabotaging my under 42. I don't want to trust Haskins to not throw a pick six.
1: I got to be honest. This is what makes sports betting handicapping so interesting. Because if you were teaching a newbie and you said, Well, you want the quarterback to be bad, but not too bad. (laughs) And I know bad and turnover prone aren't exactly correlated, but it's pretty close. All right. So let's go through the various. There's four quadrants to any total. Let's start with Tom Brady, New England's offense. Now, Brad asked a very interesting question. Quote, how motivated will Brady be after his worst passer rating in 13 years? So the theory is a young strapping buck might say, I got to prove that's not the truth. What do you think is going to happen in New England's offense?
3: I think Brady and company are much more concerned with the future. And with two linemen out, I expect the number one goal, keep Brady upright. So when you say two linemen
1: out... Correct me if I'm wrong. Those linemen are on IR, correct?
3: Yes. So they, they're out. They've been out. Out yes. for
1: the year. So you, so what you're saying
3: now has to apply
1: to the rest of the year. It does apply to the rest of the year. And yes. how? And define what what that is.
3: That is that with Brady's protection not being as good with two linemen out, I would expect that New England is going to be throwing the ball less often going forward.
1: In all situations, huh? So down by 14, they're going to be running.
3: Down by 14, they are going to want to win the game. They will be throwing the ball. But when they get the lead. Yeah,
1: so I think that's the key distinction. Is in spots where getting margin and such might even increase your chance to win. If you're up 13 with five minutes left, got the ball with the fifty, it's third and twelve. There's a chance you're going to lose that game. It's a small chance. So you do something, maybe you do a quick slant. Because the risk there is very small to Brady getting hit. If you really were only focusing on the first down, you would do a longer pass play. I think Belichick will make decisions that minimizes Brady getting hit, even if it slightly decreases the chance of winning that game.
3: Agreed. And let's face it, this New England defense is as good as we've seen in a long time. And because of that... So wait,
1: as good as New England's defense in a long time or across the NFL? Because you're not even sure they're the best defense this year. No,
3: in, in terms of New England defense. Okay, all yes. right. When
1: you said this New England defense is the best we've seen, that in we've a long seen time. from New England. Oh, yeah, you yeah. might want to
3: add that. Fair enough, because we're not even sure. I'm not sure. New England defense, Chicago Bear defense. They seem like one. The '85 Bears. No, this year's Bears. Those would be the two top defenses I would have right now.
1: Because it's interesting, you mentioned the '80s. The Hitman comes in with something strong. The Patriots defense has the best DVOA, which is their major at Football Outsiders, of any defense, not just New England, since 1986? The Bears. Yeah. I think that you're under. I think you got the Bears in your head because you read a couple annuals on the newsstand, Mm -hmm. how good. I think their Bears defense is fine or good. DVOA is three on them. They got 49 or second. I don't know about that, but, you know, we'll see, I hope, for this week. The best DVOA since 80. I mean, think about this. One touchdown in four games. Bad competition. But they shut out the Rams or, or no touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So five games, one touchdown in the modern NFL? It's almost incomprehensible. It really is. All right. So you're saying conservative on offense, especially with the lead. Great defense or you think they're good. Let's flip the script. Redskins now banged up on the O line. If ha- you know if Haskins doesn't play, I- is Cole McCoy possible?
3: It's a possibility. He is um, off the. Uh, he's on the injury report still, but he could play possibly.
1: But you, who do you expect to start? Keenum. I agree. And how about the Washington defense?
3: One more thing on the Washington offense. Their best wide receiver, and he's been the entire offense. McLaurin missed last game. He might miss this game. That's really good for our under. On the Washington defense, well, not so good, RJ. Washington defense. Not
1: so good either for the under or generally.
3: <laughs> Both. Uh, yeah, bottom exactly. five defense, uh, that is the weak link in our handicap. But
1: is it? Because how is that exploited is if the Pats really want to exploit it. Meaning they're not going to not try to score, but how do you run clock? You run. right? right. And if, you're, if you're up 16 or up 17, I, I like this. It just—I don't like this. The biggest game of the week last week, or one of them. The the Pats look so bad on offense and so good on defense. It just feels like it's just so obvious. But that's why I didn't like your Bills under. I didn't like the other side, but I didn't bet your Bills under last week, and it was obvious and easy. This one feels obvious too, though. What do you think? I think You're, it doesn't scare you.
3: You know, I think that the markets just are not used to seeing a Patriot defense that's this dominant.
1: So what you're saying is when there's a paradigm shift, even though it seems obvious, you go with it. Kind of like Kansas City being great on offense.
3: Yes. (laughs) I agree with you there. there ha- and there have been three special teams defensive touchdowns in the last two games for the Patriots. So their final scores, you could argue, are a little bit more points than what there should have been. on. And the we scoreboard. don't
1: think those are necessarily predictive of future
3: ones. Per- well, certainly not to expect that there would be one. I mean, that's... What that? Do you think
1: it's predictive of future ones? Like, if you had to make a bet where the Patriots have more special team scores, would they lead the league in special team scores? Would you bet that from here on?
3: Against the field? Yeah. No. no.
1: Would you bet they're in the top five? I, 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 Where would you bet? At what point would you actually go into your row and bet?
3: Top six.
1: They're going to be top six. Now, here's what's confusing. Special teams, touchdowns, like there's only been, I think there's 20, because I did this for something else because one team had three, and maybe it is the Pats, but I was looking at it, and it was like there was like 20 teams that had zero. (laughs) and one team had three. So you're going to have, like, a massive tie potentially for, like, it's going to be tough to bet it. and I I don't like to bet against Belichick in any way. You know, Brad brought up a great point. I know you knew it because when I read it to you, you were like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, you were saying it, like, as in, I didn't mention it, but I knew it. Thursday night football next week, Giants and Patriots. If there's another reason to kind of sit, Not overdo it if you get the lead. That's it.
3: Big look ahead.
1: We only got one commercial. Let's get it out of the way because next, I didn't even plan on this. But digging in right before the pod, I'm going to give another bonus best bet for me. This will be my third best bet. Another total. I love this one. (music) Pyramid of value. And with Fezzik here, well, in-game betting. And this is another example where that barroom bookie, the offerings aren't quite as good. And then let's be candid, some of these places they say they're taking in-game, but if they don't like your bet, they say waiting, 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 approved. Ah, not approved. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's coincidence it was a good bet, right? A lot of shadiness that goes on there. A big operation like Bet DSI that's spending you know, quite frankly, millions of dollars with places like Podcast One to be on shows that talk gambling and other shows, you think they're going to mess around with their brand to to get a little edge? You wouldn't think so. And I haven't seen it. If you like in-game betting or if the idea of, oh, look, the Colts might score here. Oh, look. Huh. Nothing like it. I'm not the hugest in-game betting fan. I think Fezzik is the best in the world at it. ESPN a few years ago literally sent a camera crew to Las Vegas with Michelle Steele. Michelle was great, but just to show Fezzik and and, and depict him in-game betting. it's how good he is. And what I have found is a certain percentage of people that that in-game betting is the most fun for them and nothing else compares. And BetDSI has those offerings— Amongst others, baddsi.com, promo code BAL 101. Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Football action continues, and the action at Yahoo has been significant. They just released a new $50,000, some call it 50K. Some call it the 50K Baller Tournament. Big first place prize. Total prizes half a mil, half a stick. Every week there's new contests at Yahoo Daily Fantasy and every week guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score that perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with a little cash. Get started now. Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy. That's Yahoo.com slash Daily Fantasy. When you make your first deposit, use promo code POD twenty five POD25 for $25 in free play. That's PAW twenty five. That's the promo code twenty five dollars you get in free play. Finally, Amazon. Think about it, guys. Think about it. Yahoo, Amazon, Dosakis. That's where we are at this point. And you're a big part of it. Your support. You spreading the word. And I think this is a podcast worthy to spread the word. Don't be selfish. Don't say, "Oh, if I keep this to myself, maybe I'll." Be able to make some extra money for my buddy. Do you really want to be like Fezzik like that? I don't think so. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons to emulate Fezzik. That's not one of them. Now, for Amazon Prime members, last commercial here, guys. Did you know that Amazon Prime has Thursday Night Football? That's right. Thursday Night Football has returned to Prime Video for a third season. You can catch all the action on your TV, on the web, on your mobile anywhere in the world, and the experience is quote-unquote next level. With the Prime Video's X-Ray feature, you can access next-gen stats, play history and team information, and now it's available on iOS, Android, Fire tablets, and Fire TV. And if you're ready to hear a new take on the game, you can switch over to Sports Broadcast Legends Hannah Storm, and Andrea Kramer for the play-by-play. So, if you don't have cable or simply want to experience the future of football, tune in this Thursday. Coverage begins 7 o'clock Eastern. Kickoff eight twenty Eastern. Also available, Fox and NFL Network. NFL Network simulcast subject to change. Thursday Night Football is presented by Bud Light Platinum. Thursday Night Football is presented by Bud Light Platinum. Jets, Eagles, Eagles 13 at home. Total, Fez, what do we got?
3: 47.
1: I just can't believe it. 47. So, league average last two years below, you know, 46 and a half. So, this is supposed to be a slightly higher scoring game than average. Huh. The Jets, they've scored one touchdown on offense this year. One. Uno. <laughs> Yes, some would say Uno in Mexico City. Is that Uno? No. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uno, dos, straight. Yep, I remember. I've heard some rock drummers pound it out. I took two years of Spanish, if you can believe it. <laughs> it was uh, not good. Actually, correspondence. I finished. <laughs> <laughs> that's <a> true story. <laughs> My best buddy's dad was the guidance counselor. Correspondence. Got an A? Make the case, Faz. How can what's? I'm always skeptical when a when a line doesn't make sense. It's so crazy. I mean, let's let me. I'll just finish my thinking. We know the Jets' offense is horrible, but we know they're even worse passing, right? Yes. So, what's the Eagles' weakness?
3: Secondary.
1: It's that's an injury. It's not good. Darby's out. Two other guys are injured. Exactly. Do we really think Falk's going to take advantage? No. No. Running the ball, Le'Veon Bell, who knows? Eagles might be the best rush defense in the NFL, but they're certainly amongst the best. So they can't run. They can't pass no matter who's back there. Maybe they might complete a few that at least extends a few drives to midfield and eats clock. Now the question to Eagles, great offense. Maybe when healthy, not 100% healthy. And, oh, next week, sandwich spot, Green Bay. Washington Jets in between you think they're going to be you know anxious for margin late
3: should be happy to get the win and get out of town and you know what I think the Jets are in a great spot to play hard and when I'm playing an under I want a defense playing hard we got a winless team off of a bye so here's a team that the media is making fun of frankly calling them out and the Jets not only are they going to be motivated, they're probably going to be healthier on defense. Remember, part of the reason the Jets have struggled so much on defense is cluster injuries at linebacker. Remember, Mosley went out against the Bills. He hasn't been back. He might be back now. And um, one of their real key linemen, uh, Williams, has been out as well. He might play, so the Jets might be getting healthier on defense for this game.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, Mosley, Raven, big signed a big contract. I listen to the fans sometimes I do uh three hits a week on ESPN in New York. I the love of Mosley was like and and he looked if I recall it was Monday night he looked real good flying around the field against the Browns. Am I remember Oh it was against oh, the Bills. The, Bills yes. the week before is when what he, he didn't play against the Okay.
3: And then when he went out against the Bills that's when the Jets defense collapsed.
1: Yeah, so I mean wow i like it even more if Mosley's back. Now, should, how much should I be concerned if Darnold plays at change? I don't like Darnold all that much. I think he gets a lot of love too much. It's suspicious. But I don't think I – I would not like – could some of this be they're just pricing in that there's a real chance Darnold plays? And if he's, if, if he's announced out, this thing goes down for three, four
3: points? I think it I think there is part of that. And I think the fact that Darnold was in the walkthrough for practice, let's face it, he's got mono, apparently it's some somewhat contagious, but he's like wait, wait, per-
1: somewhat contagious. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know what mono is, right? I know you probably didn't have a lot of fear of mono in high school, the kissing disease, but, but you do know what mono is, right? Yes. So when you say apparently, what do you mean? I don't get it. Apparently it's contagious. It's the kissing disease, which implies if you kiss someone that has it, you're going to get it. Thus, it's contagious. Yes. Will
3: you being safe? not to offend potential mono victim? I'm just Dr. M.D. Fezzik <laughs> should, should, should cease with all that. I think it is. It sure seems like a smoke screen that they're saying, oh, it's possible Darnold's going to start. I would be shocked if Darnold started.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my question is, has he even practiced yet?
3: He was at practice. He went through the so through. He hey, so
1: so he had, what do you mean? Was he on the field taking snaps on the walkthrough?
3: I do not know.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're saying he had enough strength to get out of bed <laughs> yes. and come to practice like, you know, like some, you know, hospital victim that's coming to wave at everyone. I, yeah, I don't I don't. Need, that's what I let's just say this. You know what I'm going to do? We can look this up. Well, I guess I'm, I know there's not the answer out there at some website that I don't know about. I'm saying is that just listening to the New York radio, it feels like they don't think there's any chance. The fact you're saying, what's making you think, what what odds would you give? If I said I wanted 10 to 1 that Darnold's going to play, so you got to lay, I'm getting, I'll bet 100 and I win 1,000 if Darnold plays. Would you give it to me? Yes. So you think it's less than 10%? I do. Okay, so to me, that's... and I, Listen, if he plays in a weakened state, I'm not even sure how much better that is. So I'm going with the best bet under. Any other thoughts in the game, Fest?
3: I'm just going to lean to the Jets, similar to your handicap, where I just don't see the Eagles being motivated to get margin in this game.
1: And they've got a history here with their, you know, uh, last nine home games, only one cover. I mean, this team's the kind... I was super impressed with them winning on that short week. I was super impressed against Green Bay. I mean, that was a gutsy win. Got to give that coach, that team credit. Next game Saints favored by three with some extra juice, a hard three, some might say, <laughs> against Tampa Bay off that big win. Our one super contest winner last week. What you got?
3: going to lean to New Orleans here. It's about the situational spot that, let's face it, that was a huge upset win for Tampa Bay against the Rams. And whenever a team goes on the road and gets that big upset win, if they come back home, I might look to back them in a home momentum situation. But more often than not, when they go on the road and then they're a dog again, it's just so difficult to duplicate and get another upset. And so the situational spot, I would argue, certainly favors the Saints.
1: Now, make the case for
3: me that the Saints are going to be flat. See if you can do this. Well, the Saints just won a game against America's team on Sunday night football, and the Saints have been playing for the, harder for their backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, the last two weeks. And as we know, when you lose your most important player, oftentimes the team can step it up for one or two games, but can they continue that extra effort and success moving forward?
1: That was more convincing. You think?
3: I'm not betting this game. (laughs)
1: I'll tell you this. I think you get this wrong every time. I think you're generally right with your motivational stuff. I think you sometimes overemphasize it. But I think when a team that's not used to winning wins a big one, it's motivating. It's back to that idea. Uh, What's a good analogy? You know, you're running a business, you're part of a business, and sales have been down, down, down. Finally, you've been working, working, and you get to that big jumbo sale that's, uh, you know, 10 different printers or whatever the heck you're selling. Do you think you skip work the next day, or you're like, finally, I get to breathe, I feel good. What I've been doing, it's validating. I mean, Tampa Bay has been trying to win a big game for a long time, wouldn't you say? Do you think that flat is what they're going to be here? I think they're going
3: to be so excited. New coach, maybe this is something different. It's a good point, especially considering the way they lost to the Giants in their previous game, and there was talk of, oh, we just can't finish. We just can't finish. Well, they finally finished. They finished off the Rams in grand fashion.
1: I think this line is showing massive respect. To ten- What's your power rating say? Because to me— If you consider the Saints are as good as anyone with home field specifically, the Saints at three minus 20, it's almost saying Tampa Bay's the better team. And I get the whole Bridgewater thing, but it's now let's think of it this way Dallas was two, right? Two and a half. Yes. And now, so there's a five and a half point. So what's the difference between Dallas and Tampa Bay?
3: Yeah, so Dallas is three and a half points better than an average team. Mm-hmm. And Tampa have two points worse than an average team.
1: So you've got so, you, so you've got the five points exact, or five and a half exactly right. What does it say about this game, your power rating?
3: My power ratings actually have uh, Tampa Bay at minus two and New Orleans at minus a half. So I've got New Orleans a point and a half better. So my power ratings with a three and a half for home field have New Orleans five.
1: That's what I'm saying. So this is an auto play, it seems like, for you. I mean— it's pretty rare to have that kind of power rating disparity off of 3 especially, right? Yes. So, what's stopping you?
3: Uh,
1: and I you, looked, the it, underlying and st- You actually made the case that the Saints had the better the Saints had the better motivation, which I'm, I don't necessarily agree with. I'm
3: concerned about Teddy Bridgewater. You made great cases. So wouldn't about, that be built into your power It rankings? is built into my power rating, yes. So
1: I'm confused.
3: And the I looked at the underlying statistics, and Tampa Bay is an above average, despite being a minus two team. But wouldn't that be in the power rankings? It's still too early for, the, for those statistics to then like if, they, then if they
1: don't rate enough to
3: be in the power rankings, why should they get you off again? Because they, these two teams have a one-yard-per-play differential. That's an awfully big differential in no, I favor can accept of Tampa that. Bay.
1: I can accept that. So what you're saying is, listen, I don't trust these numbers enough to integrate them fully, but the disparity here is so significant, it causes me pause. And, again, it's Tampa stats are better. Yes, Here's what we know about Bridgewater. We got 42 quarterbacks. Bridgewater is 32. So the quarterbacks around him. Jared Goff at 27. Yep. Kyler Murray at 28. Yep. Andy Dalton, your boy, at 29. Eli. Case Keenum. Then Bridgewater. Josh Allen, Rosen, Cousins, your boy, Falk, Trubisky. <laughs> I mean, Bridgewater stinks. I, I like that he's come back. I appreciate that part. You know how many attempts Bridgewater has had? Great, it's from the hitman, Greater than 20 yards? Attempts. I don't know. Two. <laughs> Zero completions. 20 yards. I used to, I mean, it was with a Nerf ball, but I threw it when I was like nine. Imagine watching a whole game and he never tries to throw past, you know, like 20 yards. Even Rudolph hit a bomb
3: for more than 20.
1: What does that mean? Even That's your best bet. That's a bad <laughs> number. Next game Falcons, Texans. Texans favored by five. Oh, the Texans burn us. Motherfucker. Oh, sorry.
3: What do you got? I don't have much on this game, RJ. No way. But I want to talk about Atlanta. And you alerted me to this. Atlanta is terrible against the AFC for whatever reason. Well, they were 0-11, right? Now they're 0-13. Now
1: is that straight up or against the spread?
3: I believe 0-13 against the spread, 1-12 straight up. I hope I have those straight.
1: Let's just say I think the 0-13 is good enough. The straight up doesn't really matter,
3: does it? (laughs) Uh, Either way, Atlanta just does not. uh, Why do you think that is? You know, we talked about that, and you asked me on uh, national radio, Fez, why do you think this could be the case? And I said, uh, uh, really not sure. And I so after further thought, I'm really not sure.
1: So my theory is, by definition, you only play the other conferences once every four years. That is as as unfamiliar as you can be with another team, right? That's the minimum you play. If you're playing someone you're not familiar with, and you have only the normal week to prepare, it's a challenge to game plan. So it seems to get to the heart of coaching, where, let's say that you're deficient as a coach at the NFL level, but you're in division. You play them, play them, play them. Year two, three, four, five. At some point, there's only so many tricks. Doesn't matter who's on the other side. You got them. You got them figured out. But you, you. I mean, Fez, I always use poker as the analogy. My chance to beat Phil Ivey at poker is not great. But if we play hold him around a ring table, nine, eight-handed, in a session of four hours, slower the sample size, my chance to beat him is massively bigger than playing heads up in a game that we neither of us knew. Let's say someone the, – the the way we're going to do this is who's got the most natural poker skill? So we're going to have a poker game that someone else invented – you know, ace in the hole mm. takes half the pot. I'm not going to be able to do. I'm going to have to make so many decisions. Both because of the heads up and because it's a new game, and poker and hold'em and the ring game. How many decisions do you really make? Couple an hour, right? Right. If you play tight,
3: yeah, and you're playing basic strategy, you're following the book, so to speak. Yeah,
1: and if you play for years and years, the book becomes second nature. I think that out of conference is like that, you know, like let's see what your natural skill as a coach is because you can't lean on being familiar. And Quinn, it seems, even though made the Super Bowl, almost won it, uh, I do Atlanta radio every week. They do not like him down there. And he's, I think, at least as of last week, was favored to be the first coach fired. My sense is this guy doesn't put – he's not able to game plan for unfamiliar opponents.
3: You know – and pursuant to that, what have we seen from Atlanta this year? We've seen Atlanta have huge first half deficits in multiple games, just not being ready to go in the first half.
1: See, is that is that it, or does it? Because I always hear that the adjustments made in the at halftime is what's a sign of a good coach. I think it's probably the first two possessions of the first half and the first two possessions of the second half probably are the most telling on a uh, coach's. Mm scheming right because obviously we see with Nagy some script out the plays early and we know the halftime adjustments matter right yes so but the fact that Atlanta's getting down big early is a sign of some of that early stuff too
3: you know one thing about atlanta their their statistics are good if you look at their underlying stats their wide yards per play etc they look like a team that should be an above average team and i'm so wondering- what,
1: what i know you've been saying that what's the yards per play on atlanta
3: Uh, They're plus .7 yards per play, so that would put them in the top 10 in the NFL. And I think part of this, RJ, I think the fact that Atlanta keeps getting down big in all these games is skewing their numbers um, towards them looking good because they're dominating the second half because they're down 20 against teams like the Vikings and Carolina. That's an
1: interesting point. Now Let's look at Matt Ryan. Oh. Boy, Fez, you were pretty predictive here. So, we have that idea of how good a quarterback is outside of when it's a tight game or when it's a tight game. Because the theory is, oftentimes, if you're a bad team, you're throwing from behind, your stats look better. And you speculated Matt Ryan, if you just looked at the tighter games, wouldn't be as good. Yes. 27th only within those tighter games. When it comes to how much, let's see how, let me explain this clearly. I'm not saying he's the 27th best quarterback in tighter games. I'm saying if you take the differential between his overall rating and then you say, okay, how much better or worse does he get when the game is tight within 10 each way? He's 27th, meaning he gets worse more than almost all the other quarterbacks in the tighter games, which means he's doing better outside of the tight game
3: and that's despite julio jones bailing him out when they beat the eagles remember he threw a little short screen pass and julio took it 55 yards to save that game that goes into his good performance in tight games
1: now we've got watson well i guess what i should say is we had watson last week and what's going on i mean i i guess to some degree i was a little prescient in that uh I told Maddie, who had Houston, I mean, whew, it'd be funny. We'd be sitting here with a ring right now. Ah, we don't want to get on him when he's not here. <laughs> but honestly, if he would have hit 50% of his best bats, we would have won the super contest. Ugh. Now, he did help us offline. I mean, he did help me with some of the late decisions, not that much. <laughs> The decision to change their offensive line the week before last, I go, ooh, that worries me. And But they played well. I mean, what did you see in Houston's loss last week?
3: Yeah, you nailed it. That line, which had only given up two sacks the week before that line was. It's a s- really two only? That's the yeah, like yeah. average, right? Yeah, average is like 2.25, I think. And last week, six. Six times Watson got sacked back to the old, unable to protect him.
1: So I can't play either team. I mean, it just – and, and I, I tell you this, this is a ton of disrespect for the Texans. I mean, five seems short to me. You're saying the Texans are too – I mean, Falcons, some people are saying are almost some of the worst, you know, as bad as – what's your power rating say?
3: The power ratings aren't so bad for the Falcons because their underlying stats are oh, good. Jesus. I know, you, you're hearing that too it's much. it has been the case for three years. Atlanta minus one, Houston plus a half. I've got these teams one and a half apart on a neutral.
1: Next game, Bills, Titans, Titans by three. Fez, you got a derivative. Let me ask you, though, and we got a pick from Ashler on this game Is top pick for the pod. Did the Bills get beat up? I know it was a physical game, but how's the Bills injury report look?
3: Uh, I didn't notice anything excessive on their for their injuries. Obviously Josh so, Allen is questionable for the game. He got concussed and it's unclear whether he can go or Barkley, that's a big injury obviously.
1: Yeah, well that's massive. So Barkley is 41. Him and Haskins are buddies. And actually all joking aside, we said Haskins 42 42 42. Barkley 41 37 41. So no uh, So that's the only. That's it. Then, meaning, if 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 somehow some way, if we knew Allen was playing, I mean, what's this line? Pick'em one,
3: probably one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is really you're making a bet on. You can't really handicap this game, unless you've got a strong opinion on if Allen's going to play.
3: Correct, but I do think you can play a derivative bet.
1: Well, go ahead.
3: All right, we're going to play no score in the first 6 minutes and 30 seconds. What's the vig on that? Should be about minus a dollar 25.
1: So you would tell me it, even money if we were betting it.
3: Yes, I'd probably have you try to lay a dollar 10. Let me make my case here. <laughs> So if Barkley plays, well, that's good news because Barkley's not as good a quarterback, and so we'll have a situation where I would expect Buffalo to be very conservative with Barkley, and frankly, Tennessee always seems to be conservative with Mariota, both teams looking to avoid mistakes. But if Josh Allen plays... He just had a concussion last week. I have to feel Buffalo is going to want to be ultra safe with him. The last thing I want to do is to get him injured, especially early in the game. And because of that, I think Buffalo will be much more conservative in their play calling early, even if Josh Allen goes. So I'm going to go no score for six minutes, 30 seconds. Is there a chance
1: that the Bills try to show... You know how when a, a quarterback comes in after an injury where the quarterback is the new quarterback... And they do a play-action bomb on the first play, which happens a ton. Mm. You don't know. I mean, this isn't even a question. I mean, it happens a lot. Right? I think
3: Buffalo has. No, no, said
1: no, I'm, it not, I'm not asking you to try to make my connection that I'm going to make to it. Yes, yes or no,
3: yes, it happens, especially with coaches like Arians. If he was the king at that, where he'd have his third-string quarterback throw a bomb on the first play.
1: So. Doesn't Buffalo have a motivation to show Josh Allen's fine, baby? Because that statement could affect the way they call defense. If you start out super conservative, and that let's assume there's two possibilities. The Bills feel like if Allen plays, the Bills feel like he's fine. They don't have to protect him at all. And that's it's a problem for you. I don't mean you lose, but it's not it's part of your handicap that otherwise. If he is going to be protected, isn't the beginning where you protect him the least? Because that will set the mentality of the other team. Hmm. So in both if, cases, it feels like they're not conservative early.
3: See, and i am we're going to have to d- disagree here because I think Buffalo feels that they are indeed a good team. They lost to the Patriots because they were minus three in turnovers. And I think they feel like they can beat the Titans if they just play the Titans carefully and don't take risks so what's the true line i'm gonna play under six and a half i'm gonna lay my 130 against you well
1: i love it six and a half what are you talking or six minutes and 30 seconds
3: yeah that's standard for a lower total
1: yeah no that's fine but when you said six and a half i got confused because i thought you meant six and at some point you know six minutes and 30 do people call that six and a half
3: yeah yeah that's the way it's written the props are written it's under six under six and a half under seven yeah Alright, and you're giving me plus one thirty. I am. I'm gonna win this one. <laughs> Finally. So you're that sure on this one. Yeah, I'm confident. Boy.
1: What I'm start whenever Fez is this short, you gotta start feeling for your wallet. <laughs> I mean, what the Well, hu- just,
3: just in case I'm wrong, because this hasn't been posted yet, I will give you a better number. Oh, so you're saying,
1: hold on a sec. I don't, I don't need that. Yes. I just want to know what the number... So why don't we do this? Whatever the opener a Bookmaker is... Sounds good. Is that fair?
3: Yes. That's our number. No That's big. It, that sounds good. So you might get... They might open seven. If it opens Who, seven, then you get seven.
1: Oh, so now... The, That's hold, even better uh, for you. Is it... So this is interesting. Think... Again... If the only thing you get from this is how to deal with a, like wrestling a bucket, like a, like a, imagine if you got put into a sack, a big uh, canvas sack, and there's like 500 snakes in there. That's what it's like going heads out with Fezzik. And you're learning. Now think about what just happened. Six, uh, you know, six and a half. And then it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe minus one. 20 maybe. So he didn't expect me to take the bet. But when I heard of his rationale, yeah, come on, you got to go for it when it's weak. So I pressed the green button and he goes, you know something? I want to be extra generous. Now right there, you got to perk up. <laughs> not in a good way. Be attentive. And at that point, he goes, I'll give you 130. So right then I said, oh, Oh, you see how I reacted? It wasn't like, thank you, Mr. Fed. No, ho, let's just take the opener. And then he goes, you know something? That could be to your benefit. Which means when he was trying to be generous, he's given me a number that he now has to protect his ass by saying, you know, it could. Be, it's possible that open's going to be better, which means that the sweetheart deal you were giving me—you weren't even confident it was a fair number. It's, it's
3: not true. Bookmaker opens these totals seven minutes. I look at a lot of these, and most other books open six thirty. It's just—it's a, it's but a just bookmaker. But just to be clear, the
1: theory is the line would be adjusted. I mean, they're just not opening it at seven at the same vig. No, they adjust the vig exactly. Yeah, right. So you're saying, but. If somehow, some way, the vig had an advantage on the yes scoring, then everyone would bet at a bookmaker that has any sharpness, right, right. which isn't the case, right? They they
3: price the thirty seconds is worth how many exactly? Se- and it, by the way, it's worth um, every second is worth about one penny. Okay, so you're saying that
1: a minus 130 at 6.5, it'd be even money at, at se- 7. Yes. So why, But why did you have to caveat, like, well, that might be the better number?
3: Well, we just said open. I just wanted to disclose that it probably would open 7 at bookmaker. Perfect. Good.
1: But you were, but you were protecting your – because you could have said it this way. Oh, Bookmaker opens up typically with these first scores at 7, so it won't be the minus 130 to the no. It would probably be oh, about pick them.
3: Exactly. But that's not what you said. It's what I meant to say. (laughs) No, it's not. Yes, it is.
1: Guys, stay away from these types if you can. Now, if you can get them on your side, all the better. Let's listen to Asler. Uncle Dave. We're going to have an announcement about Dave. It's pretty exciting for pregame. Soon. Let's listen to Uncle Dave. He's been winning since Moses wore short pants. He
2: likes Tennessee. Let's listen. Tennessee might a field goal over the Bills. First, the Bills. They are who we thought they were offensively. They're bad. Even assuming Allen does clear a concussion protocol, he's thrown twice as many picks as TD passes this season. Let's say he can't play. Matt Barkley, 10 TD passes, 19 picks in his illustrious career. People forget the Titans went to Cleveland on opening day, won by 30, and don't discount a two-touchdown win in Atlanta last week. I think most people saw that Thursday night game in Jacksonville. In my opinion, they hit the Jaguars the wrong place at the wrong time. I've been critical of Mariota, but he hasn't thrown an interception this year, so four games. He hasn't done that three games straight once since 2016. So I look at this and see a Titans defense statistically better in points per game, the all-important points per play, and a Bills team with zero vertical game, and a Bills team that's coming off a hugely emotional loss. They're telling me, on a neutral field, these teams are even. They're not. Remember the Titans, minus three points.
1: He never fails, Uncle Dave, never. You can follow him on Twitter. Very interesting. Dave underscore Esler, E-S-S-L-E-R. So it's Dave underscore Esler. Fez, what do you like on the side?
3: I am passing the side. I really had nothing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's hard. And obviously, if Barkley plays... I don't like my bet at all. But you know something? Here's the problem. Oh, God. You and your angles. What difference do you think? Because if the line's not open, because if the line were open now, it would be pricing in the uncertainty of who's going to start. Right? Right. So now the question becomes, if the when typically will that open up, the, the first score?
3: Usually one book has it prior to the day of the game. and then it So when's up. Bookmaker have it? I don't think they'll have it up until the day of the game.
1: So we're going to know who's going to start. We'll know. And I think Barkley is the favorite. I mean, looking at this line.
3: Barkley's got to be the favorite.
1: So that doesn't work then. Well, no, I guess it does because we're – no, actually that works to my – I was thinking the opposite is if it was open now, it would have to price it. The uncertainty, and I'd be fine with that. But I think there's going to be a score. So do do these derivatives, I'm just worried that the market won't account properly for, because this is a thin market, that Barclays sucks. (laughs) Because obviously the odds of scoring go way down.
3: Well, it's built into the total, and they use the total. But is it? Is it? They, they I, I, I can tell you that all they do, the odds makers, is they look at the total, and the lower the total, the more they move that number downward.
1: All right, all right. So you're saying it's almost a conversion from the total.
3: Yes, it's a chart.
1: So what you're saying is if there's any reason that you think it's legitimate that the beginning of the game is going to be slower, that's where they don't make that conversion. Yes. And your reason is what you stated. Yes. All right, I'm feeling pretty good then. I'm going to put thoughts and prayers out to Josh Allen. (laughs) Get well soon. (laughs) Next game, Broncos, Chargers. Chargers only six and a half against the winless Broncos. Faz, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I'm going to lean to Denver, and it's all about – I know we keep talking about the same thing, RJ, but the Chargers are just a mash unit. They get more injured each and every week. So new injuries – uh, linebacker Ingram, edge rusher, really important to the Chargers. He's out, and now cluster. Does he ever play? And he was playing for a while. Yeah, Did he played two games. <laughs> and uh, the wide receiver cluster injuries. Three wide receivers now injured for the Chargers. And every week the Chargers get more injured, which apparently doesn't matter when you play the Miami Dolphins. I think it matters when you play anybody else.
1: Hmm. First off, I don't object to the injury talk when it's so significant. What I find is some of you handicappers, when you don't have anything, you look at the injury report and start talking about injuries. I want to make sure they're significant. And I also want to make sure the market's not probably accounting for them. Couldn't we make the case that only being six and a half, the market's caught up?
3: Well, the market certainly is accounting for it. And you could make the case that um, the market has caught up, yes.
1: Because we, I mean, you bet against the Chargers a couple times recently. Yeah, I'm 2-1. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just the Dolphins. At some point, we've got to give up on the Dolphins. <laughs> and, and then they'll cover. Well, oh, yeah, true. enough. But if you're always waiting for that.
3: It feel they Don't the Dolphins feel a little bit like the Cleveland Browns in that 0-16 year with Kaiser where they just... No, because
1: in that year, the wise guys were right in that the Browns were in so many games. That's a great point. It was... And, and then there was fluky stuff at the end of the game. Yeah. I still remember that Green Bay game, I think it was, where they played them even like the whole – it was like plus 13 and a half we had. You remember that? And there was a pick six at the very end of the game to get it to 14. And
3: and I'm remembering a Lions game where literally at Maybe the end – Maybe that was at the that end game. of the first half and the end of the game. Yeah, I think that flu- was the There Lions were just game. ridiculous scores. they would
1: have never only been 13 and a half against Green yeah. Bay. Yeah, that was it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, but Dolphins aren't even in the game. Happy memories, yes.
1: (laughs) Brad has a pick. Oh, he has a lean. He likes under. I hate the under here. Wouldn't you agree with me, Fez, that the Broncos have less, or let's say it this way, their defense seems to have a propensity to lose motivation when they're
3: losing. Yes, and we saw that last year. Remember, they were 6-6. Six six? They were in the playoff hunt, and as soon as they got eliminated, the team just completely collapsed.
1: And at this point, I, I mean, there, there was a statement from one of the cornerbacks, I think, after the game saying, oh, I'm not going to talk about it 13 more weeks and I'm done. You know, that kind of talk. And, I, I mean, I know Elway seems protected, but, I mean, if you're playing on this team – you got to feel like you're you know your career's kind of you know wasting. I mean obviously you're getting paid. They lost Chubb on the defensive Bradley. Boy, that feels like now the, you don't think other players are starting to think, "Uh-oh. You know, he's rehabbing. Is he ever going to be the same? You know, if it's a lost season and a player gets hurt and it's a season ender, doesn't that make make you start thinking about business decisions you
3: might want to make? You know, it's a great point. And think about this Denver mindset. Here's a team that had no sacks. So they finally get after the stash, and they get some sacks, and things are turning their way, and then, boom, Chubb gets hurt, and they blow the game. Talk about a downer.
1: Remember, they were 33-3 and first two games of the year at home when they were home, and they lost that game against the Bears with Trubisky. I mean, it just seems like this is a, this Denver team's, I mean, Denver opening game, uh, that opening Monday night game was what? At Oakland, if I remember. It was like four. Oh, yeah.
3: Went up to, f- they were, yeah, they are laying, I think three and a half. Am I right?
1: Yeah. So they're, they're, they're meaning they would have been like a 10, almost a 10 point home favorite. What would the Raiders in Denver be right now?
3: The, on a neutral? Yeah. We would look – we'd be looking at Oakland's minus 4.5 and, and Denver – wow, I – hold on. Tell you, sure time. This is right. Denver's minus 4. I still have Denver favored by half a point. Still, that, though, what I'm saying is there's been – There's mean, been a nine-point adjustment.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean – well, I guess on a neutral would be six. Right?
3: Oh, yes, yes. All
1: right. I don't – listen. I think this is one where if I had – I mean, I don't think I've said this in about a year. If I had to play this, I think I'd play the Chargers because I really – quite. I think that the injuries are being accounted for for the Chargers. And I think the Broncos were not accounting for the fact that I question is there going to be a kind of a team mutiny. And I don't think that lasts, but I think it can happen for a week or two. So I would lean – to the chargers which i don't like that team at
3: all you know one point on the chargers if there was one game the chargers absolutely blew last year it was their game hosting denver where they should have won and they and they just gave it away so a little extra incentive for the chargers
1: yeah that's an interesting point all right next game packers cowboys sunday night football cowboys favored by three and a half minus one oh five
3: yeah, and I like Dallas in this game. I gotta be honest, the market is not agreeing with me. I'm seeing money coming in on Green Bay, and I'm looking at these Green Bay injuries, and I'm wondering if the market's taken into consideration enough of them. <laughs>
1: so give me the key ones.
3: Well, wide receiver Devontae Adams, he's a top ten wide receiver in the league, RJ. He's worth the point. He had like 180 yards against Philly, went out in the fourth quarter. He's questionable. Uh their second best lineman, right tackle, Balaga is um questionable. And their number two running back, Williams, got concussed. He's questionable. And as soon as he went out of the game, remember what we saw from Green Bay. They could not run the ball at all the rest of the night against the Eagles.
1: I think this Dallas, you just got to ask yourself a question. Was the Saints with their great home field, with Bridgewater being fairly effective even though he's not going downfield? And the fact is Dallas could have won that game. Is there an over? You know, is there a sense of, hey, it was a reasonable loss, even though they were two point favorites, two and a half, or is it? Oh, look at Dallas's strength of schedule. You know, as I mean, I'm going to pull up Football Outsiders now. Rattle off the teams. Yeah, heads.
3: Washington, Eli, and the New York Giants.
1: It's kind of funny. You got to say, well, Eli led Giants,
3: <laughs> and of course, the Miami Dolphins.
1: Yeah, so I'm guessing not good. Let's see if my predictions are correct. <laughs> oh look, the easy, second easiest schedule in football with New England at one, the Chargers at three, with the line. That's interesting. Well, I guess when you play Miami, so that to me, I like. It's kind of like the if you can answer this question, you know who you want to bet. Is Dallas a good... Where do you got Dallas in your power rankings? Four. If Dallas is that good, then you got to like them here, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dallas is a lot better than Green Bay. How are they only laying three and a half? Wasn't this Green Bay the team that you
1: were saying, oh my gosh, think about if, if Aaron Rodgers...
3: Oh my God! If the defense is this good, wasn't that what you were saying? That was before the Eagles hung 34 on the Smith brothers.
1: <laughs> the Smith brothers. Now listen, I did a huge thing on Straight Out of Vegas, six Eastern drive time, five days a week, Fox Sports Radio. It's Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, then Doug Gottlieb, then Steve Fazek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine that. Take the under. Aaron Rodgers is number 16 in my quarterbacks. And you know what's funny? It's a tight variance. 19 QBR, 11 Pro Football Focus, 17 High IQ Analytics. I'm renaming them. But I'll get the right name, I promise. I mean, Fez, he's not that good anymore. He he still has the ability to do something physically you look at and go, wow, that's great, but the performance isn't there.
3: Yeah, and you documented all of that. regards
1: yards per attempt, especially.
3: Where's Dak on your list?
1: Number number one. Um, if you don't count Nick Foles in his eight attempts.
3: So let's think about this. So we got a quarterback that is way better for Dallas, and then we got a team in Dallas that is quite superior to Green Bay. How is Dallas only laying three and a half in question? Why are people betting Green Bay? Because this might go drop down to three.
1: Maybe they listen to you talk about the Smiths and Amos. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the first name of one of the this <laughs> Listen, i'm not i don't know the safeties I can't lie <laughs> all right let's see what we got from Brad. Oh, this is interesting. You know we have a fake Fezzik voice I can't really do brad in college i I read your analysis oh it's not good
3: I haven't listened to the college pod it's not good I can imagine.
1: I mean, you always listen to it before Saturday, but yeah. it, it it just started this week. It's like hey, you know, it's like a real high pitch, and there's always these asides. That's the interesting part. It's like, well, I know I mean. you know you might want to listen. You might want to show up next week. <laughs> it was a good one though. Ken Thompson and Brad, when I get them going at each other, Ken starts getting mad, his veins start popping. You know, I
3: Brad's 20 years younger, but... Um, oh,
1: Jesus, he'd throw Brad around. He'd, he'd pick up Brad and attack you with Brad as it, a weapon.
3: If it comes down to unhappy <laughs> blows, I got Thompson minus 250. <laughs>
1: well, I'll bet the house on it. I'll, I'll bet Brad's teeth. And the dude's got, he's, he's got 24-inch arms. The largest arms that ever entered Gold's Gym, Daddy. All right, this is what Brad says. Both teams coming off losses in high-profile. It sounds like one of your handicaps. Both teams coming off losses in high-profile games. I think I heard people talk like this once on TV. The pa- <laughs> Packers blew a 10-0 lead versus the Eagles. At- I mean, is he giving us the box score? Oof. Uh, oh, this is horrible. All right, nothing there. All right.
3: I think he lifted that off my email.
1: Oh shit. Oh, that's funny, though, the fact that you're saying it's so bad and you lifted it off the email. I got to be honest with you. The more I think about Dallas, and it's so funny because when someone's skeptical of something, like you were very skeptical of the Cowboys early. I mean, it's the famous half-point upgrade for dominating the Giants. Yes. Then they look good the next week. And you were, like, whipsawed. You're like, I was wrong. Popped them up a point. But let's agree. Statistics say that something fluky can happen two times in a row. And, again, it doesn't have to be fluky, meaning it can be a 50 percenter. You know, two fifty 50 percenters in a row happen 25 percent of the time. But no one holds on past that second one. They give in. Why don't you just stand and go, I still think I'm right. See that's that is the tough part. Because at some point you're an idiot for not seeing it. But I, I think the second one is when people break and I don't think that's the time to break. You break on the second one.
3: Van Vliet would agree.
1: Now, now the question is don't do you let's be honest if if, if the Cowboys lose by 10 here what are you going to be thinking? You were right all along. Yep. Now, let me ask you this. Where did you have Dallas to start the season? Because I'm wondering, net-net, should the Cowboys really be upgraded from the start of the season? I've
3: upgraded them one
1: point. I understand you have. I'm saying, what if you really look at it collectively, the Miami game doesn't tell you anything. Nothing. The Giants game with Eli, it was a right. nice blowout.
3: Yeah, remember, both their blowouts, they were even more impressive than the what, final score. What do you scores? mean the both blow? Oh, that's, Listen,
1: once you blow out a team, that's enough. The fact that you had a turnover or whatever doesn't mean crap. So what was the other blowout? Miami, we're saying, doesn't mean anything. Giants?
3: Washington. And what was the final one, I guess? I think they won by 10-ish, but they that's were up. That's not a blowout. But they were up more than that. They were in control. And now Washington's worse than you thought at the time, right? Yeah,
1: much worse. And Giants with Eli, there's no reevaluation there. None. Miami's worse than you thought even at the time. You yes. got him last week. And we're not so sure how good the Saints are because I'll tell you this, I don't believe in Seattle. I don't. And I know I'm getting to be in the minority there, but I'm not giving in. In fact, I I love I think they're in such a great spot. Thursday, I hope they win that game cuz then they're really going to be overrated. Yeah, that's a great point. So, my question is, how are we sure how good the Saints are with Bridgewater? How can you be that bad at quarterback and the Saints be that good? And we think, oh, the defense, you know, their pass defense is horrible.
3: Well, they gave up 500 yards to Seattle.
1: That's what I'm saying. They should have got beat by Seattle. So, what's left, the linchpin of all this, is somehow that New Orleans is good. New Orleans is good, and thus Dallas losing to him is no big deal. Or otherwise, the Cowboys are – you really got to reevaluate them.
3: Collins got New Orleans as his number three What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) I'm just being silly.
1: No, but you see what I'm saying? I I think the money's telling us something here. I think Dallas, we might have got ahead of ourselves with. Mm. But Dak's numbers are good. Hey, if it was easy, the line would adjust very quickly. We got anything else? Oh, we got the Colts left, right? I think there's one more. I think somehow we missed a game. Yeah. And I tell you, when we miss a game, they go crazy. I guess that's a compliment.
3: I think we got them all.
1: No. What happened was they made a mistake in the notes. They put the Packers-Cowboys twice in the header. So we didn't do the Colts.
3: Yeah, but that's the Sunday night game.
1: What's
3: uh, The Colts are the Sunday night game. So so. we haven't done that. Yeah, that's the last one.
1: That's what I just said. We have one more game left. All right, so to finish up the
0: Packers-Cowboys, you know the hit, man? So we got a total best bet. We got the under in the Packers versus the Cowboys game under 47. So Dak Prescott this season, yeah, he's he's taking a big step this year. But what's happened when he's under pressure? So when he's under pressure, he's 29th in the NFL in passer rating. When he's not under pressure, he has a passer rating of 132.8 which is the best in the league. Only Mitchell Trubisky this season has a bigger drop-off in passer rating when he's under pressure. So the Packers, they pressure the quarterback at the highest rate in the entire NFL, and the Cowboys are going to be missing Tyron Smith, their all-pro left tackle this game. Dak in his career has played four games without Tyron Smith, and what has the Cowboys offense done? Well, they scored 7 9 12 and six points. Smith missed seven plays against the Saints last week, and they immediately let up four pressures on the snaps that he missed. Dallas could also be without Michael Gallup, which is their second best pass catching option, which is going to have Amari Cooper locked up in coverage with Jari Alexander. And as far as the Packers offense goes, They put up points against a below average Eagles and Broncos defense. But when they face two good defense, the Bears and the Vikings, they scored 10 and 21 points. And they're likely without Devontae Adams, their best receiver. And they're also likely without Brian Bulaga, their second best offensive lineman. The Packers offense still isn't clicking when they're healthy. So what are they going to do when they're missing two of their best four players?
1: You know what's funny, though? Did you hear about this? I know it doesn't mean much to you feds cuz it's not your money. You know the Hitman needed the Cowboys to cover.
3: You hear about this? Yes. Explain? He was about to win the Circa first quarter contest for so four, 100 4 weeks. 4 weeks winner take all 143,000.
1: And all he needed was the Cowboys to cover.
3: That was it and it was it was a standalone game last game. And I, and
1: remember the Hitman I don't know if he's teaching. He was a school teacher last year, at minimum. Meaning, I, I, he may be teaching this year. He may not. But probably didn't make one hundred forty-three thousand. Boy, that's so disrespectful to the teacher. My mom was a teacher. What'd your mom do? I bet she wasn't in the trenches like my. What was your mom doing?
3: Finance professor.
1: Exactly. Exactly. See, you know something, guys? When there's the whole team Fez or team RJ, and there is, you might say RJ's a little harsh with him. You don't know half of the pain he causes me. So <laughs> would you agree? Let's just say this, Fred. Would you agree most of the audience doesn't understand the pain you cause me?
3: No chance they know it.
1: <laughs> now, the fact that you can admit it makes it better. Okay. But this is so fascinating. A finance professor So the, the high IQ genes and all that. My dad, what was your dad? My dad
3: was a chemical engineer.
1: Oh, isn't that convenient? A chemical engineer. So, a chemical engineer and a college professor mate.
3: Before you make me out as a, <laughs> before you make my family out as blue bloods. Oh my god! I going to
1: say, blue bloods. I'm saying high, highly academic. You, books everywhere growing up. You probably had all the special blocks to learn. You know, the mobile that had, like, black and white stripes on it to help. Yeah, all Fair that.
3: enough, but my parents oh, went to City God. College of New York, and my mother grew up as a child in Harlem, and she even wrote a book that you can buy, I believe, somewhere. Oh, wait, so wait,
1: hold on. A published author Yes. that was that was slumming in Harlem out of probably
3: some kind of guilt or something. And she wrote a book yeah, about it. I on. will bring it in for you to read. <laughs>
1: That doesn't. You do realize trying to say that what I'm saying about you having a privileged upbringing, you do realize saying my mom wrote a book about one of her experiences doesn't <laughs> belie my point. You do realize that, right? Yeah, I'm going to look up belie, yeah. Belie <laughs> <laughs> means... Uh, <laughs> I know con- what I mean. Okay. Well, uh, you, I would hope with your academic upbringing... There you go. I am Elmer J.
3: Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht.
1: Holy cow. Holy cow. And me, I grew up in a town (laughs) with 4,000 people. One place to eat. Seriously, that was a chain, a Dairy Queen. But it was only open during the summer. (laughs) That's true. Now, it was a brazier. So they served hamburgers and such. But I think we got the bad
3: meat. <laughs> 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 I was unaware of the distinction. So the Brazier oh, Dairy I, Queens your- have meat and the other ones just ice cream? Yeah, exactly. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's
1: they don't serve like French fries, mm. like meals and stuff. But like, listen, growing up how you did, you probably just drove by that Dairy Queen. <laughs> you probably had the big ice cream cake, so, for your <laughs> birthday. So. Small town. You know how many stoplights we had in town? Four. Zero. Zero. Not even one. I'm not even sure if the library had books. But my dad was a coal miner in the mines. You think that man was pleasant? Think on it. He wasn't a college professor or an electrical engineer. See, guys, if you had a privileged upbringing then I think Team Fez makes sense to you. And probably some of his peccadilloes you see in yourself. And you think, oh, it's not so bad. My girlfriend, wife, partner, whatever, they complain too much. And I think Fez is right. But if you're from, I don't want to say from the street, but if you're from the street, a working man, a working gal, or even if you're not, but you, you sympathize, you empathize with the plight, my mom was a school teacher, but not a professor, not private school, just a little school, Powhatan. Think about it. Does that sound rich, Powhatan? No. 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 But somehow, Fez, I'm the boss. I think it's just. Some of the underclass has to rise up. This is like this is like playing out the American dream. The brilliant, you know, all the synapses. You probably weren't killing your brain cells as a youth like me chugging beer, experimenting with weed. I was never a weed guy, but I experimented. Right? Nah. Nah. Do you ever do whippets? I don't know what a whippet exactly. is. Exactly. You don't even know what a whip is. Whoever's on Team Fez. If you feel comfortable that he doesn't know what a whip it is, then you deserve to be on Team Fez. Did you ever go see the Grateful Dead? Never. No. Should, why didn't you go and write
3: a book about it? <laughs> I did a beer bong once when I was 22 and I was damn proud.
1: <laughs> Tag it, Slavie. Finally, I finally baited him into something. That was good. Ah! <laughs> he's going to true under his breath all right Last that was worth the whole thing <laughs> you know i never really thought of it like the privilege versus the underprip mm. i mean, i guess because i'm so much richer i'm so much more famous I'm, i mean it's just like it, i don't think of it that way but then you think about it who knows what you could have been if you would have had more tough times
3: like you could have been, t- been plus or minus yeah, yeah you're sure. right
1: that is true actually I've always said, and in all seriousness, I believe this strongly. If you want your kid, like your kid has, you know, private school. And again, if you're, your kid's brilliant, Johnny, is, if, you, if you want high academic achievement, obviously the best schools are best. But if you want to produce, you know, it's the old kind of, di- you know, pressure makes diamonds, right? I believe that if you want to have, let's say we're rating uh, the outcomes one to 100. Where 75 is, you know, above average, 50s, you know, obviously, this makes sense, even to me. Not, I don't didn't have your private school upbringing and such. <laughs> 72 kids in my graduating class. Most of them were technical school types, though. So, yeah, like they went to, uh, you know, they learned to make engines and stuff. Right. You weren't around those people, were you?
3: No. <laughs> Barely got through shop class.
1: <laughs> With your fingers, thank God. <laughs> if you want a kid to be a 98, you got to roll the dice. You know, you hope they have some extreme experiences. And they, and you're right. A majority of, of kids suffer for that, where they get into drugs or they – whatever. Who knows? They might – really hurt themselves, You never, there was a thousand times I could, well, I don't want to say that. There's a hundred times I could have died and it would have been just like another story. Like we were drinking, I mean, this is not what you're supposed to do and I'm not proud of it, but we would drink and drive. One summer, I think between our junior and senior year, we drank 72 out of 90 days during the summer. We had a count just in the whole time, just driving. Cause uh, it's country, right? What do you do? You got to drive. We called it a loop. Let's go on a loop and it's just go out in the country and drive drunk. I mean, it's just stupidity hmm. times 50, but it was all we knew every, like when we were growing up and we were like, you know, in sixth grade, seventh grade, it's like one day we're going to be old enough to go on loops. It was like what we aspired hmm. to, which is demented. <sighs> but out of that, sometimes you get, and I'm not saying I'm the, the example of that, but, uh, I mean, you real. I mean, great genius, I think, can often come from a lot of pain. And, and really, quite frankly, a lot of geniuses are in pain even at the time. I mean, you look at the great art that's produced. How often are those well-adjusted people? Van Gogh, yeah. Nietzsche, just go down the list.
3: Authors also, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, when I say art, I mean any fine art. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to act like your mom's in the mix there? No.
3: <laughs> I was thinking of Dostoevsky.
1: Exactly. Right? I mean... But really think, like, make the list of the happy geniuses, all right? That's the short list. I'm not even sure who's on that list, all right? I don't know. Picasso was pretty happy. Bruno Mars. (laughs) Jesus, God. Uh, Here we are. We made you wait. Colts, Sunday Night Football. I don't have the line, Fez, because they did it wrong. What are you seeing?
3: Kansas City's up to minus 11. What do you think? It's all about the injury report. And I know you hate it when I do Jeez, that, RJ. It's a lot of games. Uh, Go ahead. All right. If, if it's the truth, it's the truth. All right. So what happened last week? We saw Indy. They were laying seven against Oakland, and that line crashed all the way down to five. And the reason being is that all the questionable guys on Indy's injury report, the important ones, didn't play. So they got the same cluster injuries this week. So
1: take off the, most, the couple most important.
3: All right, T.Y. Hilton, of course, at wide receiver. You know, number two wide receiver, Funchess, is out, so he's even more important. Their best defender for Indy, their linebacker, Leonard. And during the game against the Raiders, their running back who's really good, Marlon Mack, went out, and he's questionable with an ankle injury. Um, Also a couple cluster injuries now at safety. So uh, it really comes down to whether these guys can play for Indy.
1: So to me, it's not even debatable. If you look at the way when the announcement was made, on the, the Colts injuries and the way the market responded, and that's the big batters, that's saying these injuries in aggregate mattered a ton. And the result speaks to that some, but it's one result. But the market moving like that, and again, people want to say closing line value, you'd say, listen, if the market's moving on a piece of information, that means someone's waiting for it. It's not 10 minutes later. It's not 15 minutes later. They're waiting. They're waiting. They got orders. If this and this happens, go. And then if it happens and they go, they're feeling pretty confident. It means it's meaningful. If the same people pretty much are questionable, how can you really pick this game until you know that? And we'd be doing a disservice trying to do it. So let's accept we can't pick it. Does anything strike you beyond that? So let's start with Kansas City. Another loser for us last week. You finally went against them and you jinxed us, I'll say. Um I can't believe that the Lions' their best quarterback was out for that game, right? Yeah, Slay.
3: Yeah, Darius Slay,
1: and they still defended pretty well. Are are the Lions bad? Be- Where do you
3: got the Lions right now? You know, I'm worried about my Lions power ranking. Like, oh, oh, this is
1: Fezic one versus Fezic two.
3: Fezic two is looking at Fezic one, who is the Lions at twenty first.
1: Oh, that's crazy.
3: What made? I mean, how did you get to that? Well,
1: I mean, it's that private school education effing you up.
3: (laughs) Well, let me make my case for why the Lions aren't as good as we think.
1: So this is Fezic One talking.
3: Well, yeah, but you don't like Fezic One because Fezic One's going to talk about how the Chargers blew the game against the Lions in multiple ways. But the game was where was the game at? Game was at Detroit.
1: Okay, so even if they, even if it was a coin flip, that's still pretty good, right? I mean. It's not like the Chargers are. About, I mean, some people had the Chargers
3: before the injuries. Is the fourth or fifth best team? Yeah, inning. the Chargers really should have won that game, though.
1: Okay, so it's still a coin. Listen, when you lose a game, you can't say you were better than a coin flip. Can we agree to that?
3: No, no, no. Can't say that. <sighs> All right, make that case. Well, you're, you're being. I think you're being too results oriented. I mean, you got to. Well, look.
1: that's what people are doing. Like one game at the end, you either win or you lose. Right. I'm not saying. That makes the team I, – I, I'm saying if you have a field goal at the end of the game and you're down two and you're kicking to win, if you make it or miss it, it doesn't tell you anything about the game. Agreed. Right. It could tell you about the standings and all those other things. I agree with you there. But if, the, if I'm accepting the fact that the Lions were a coin flip against the Chargers and the fact they won isn't what impresses me, it's the fact that it was a coin flip, and you can say no – the Chargers should have won eighty percent of the time. <laughs> that feels like a bridge too far to me.
3: That's fair enough, and so I, we agree. I, fair enough, but I will say that that line against the Chargers did close. Pick It did close as a coin flip. So, and essentially the result. And, and and the
1: close had to do with a lot of respect for the lines and and and, and Chargers injuries, right?
3: Mostly, I I think Chargers injuries.
1: Now we're into you think you don't have I'm, no idea. I.
3: I believe it's the Chargers injuries.
1: But it seems like to me the fact that line never got – where did the line close against Kansas City for the Lions? Because I know we were deb- – one of the reasons mm-hmm. we played it, we were laying six and a half. And it
3: stayed at seven and a quarter, even seven. even though we, the concern was about uh, Stafford, you know, and he played and it, it never budged. When you
1: look – here's what I know. I, I think the Lions might be the fourth-best team in that division. In fact, you almost got to think they are for sure. I think that might be the best fourth team in a division I can remember. Mm. Right? I mean, who's even in that conversation?
3: The AFC South right now.
1: Yeah. See, I th- – hmm, that's interesting. So, Tennessee versus – Detroit. is Tennessee the worst, you think? Jackson. Jacksonville. Where are they? 22nd. Ooh, that's true. But I guess if you think about it, you're right. If it was just the best fourth team, I think it's a conversation but you consider how good the top of that division is, you love Minnesota, obviously. Green Bay, I mean, let's just say this. If you average out the four teams in the division with your power rankings, I bet there hasn't been a division that strong.
3: Oh, I'll make that a project. Yeah,
1: No, you stick to the other stuff. Relax. (laughs) All right, so let's see if there's anything else in this game. What's your take on, because we held them with all your school talk, we got to make sure to give him some good stuff to end this. Br- uh, Brissette, I've got at 19 with my numbers. What do you think?
3: Let me look at my list. I have him number 22.
1: Yeah. That's so we're consistent. You know what's fun? We Run, run down your – this will be the last thing we do. So if you don't want to listen, run down your list, and I'm going to ridicule you and your private school education for um, Northwestern <laughs> uh, for your worst – Take on quarterbacks. So just read in order, slowly. Okay. Worst quarterback on my list. No, no I'm sorry. I'm talking about your worst take. So thus, read from the top down.
3: Mahomes one.
1: All right, I've got him two. Brady. All right, you got Brady two. Now I'm confused. We've got to bet that Brady. If I win, if he's one of the eleven best QBRs of the qualified quarterbacks, and you think he's twelve or worse, but you got him number two.
3: Yeah, not looking good for me. Uh, three Wilson.
1: I got Wilson four. Four Rodgers. Oh, by the way, I had Brady six. Four Rodgers. So this is too easy because this is a debate we'd have otherwise. But, like, what data do you have?
3: I'm going to lower Rodgers. Your data is overwhelming. Yeah, just, but I'm just saying what you've got to have data on the other side. I, I'm open to The data is, is all conclusive that I have him too high.
1: Did Fezzik number two slip in and change? Fezzik
3: number two would say, I need to take Drew Brees and Carson Wentz and put them in front of Rodgers. But next up is Matt Ryan, and I don't think I can. Oh, my
1: God. He's 14. Matt Ryan. You know what's funny? Of the three rankings, they got Matt Ryan 14, 18, and 13. Go ahead. Eight Watson. Uh, we got Watson 15. Nine. But, but I think here's the thing. How much is the offensive line? You know, it, it, yeah. I give Watson some credit. Go ahead. Nine, Rivers. And Rivers is 10. 10, uh, Dak. Dak's one, but again, I question that.
3: 11. Uh-oh, Matt Stafford. You might agree with that I got that Stafford now. 12. Yeah, and Jimmy G, of course, has to be in the top 12.
1: I got Jimmy G, 17.
3: And I don't want to read 13 because I haven't updated my list. It's completely wrong. Go ahead. It's Jared Goff, and that's too high. I haven't updated <laughs> Quarterback update day is Thursday. Power rating update is Tuesday. I agree. Fezzik, one and two. There's no other way to
1: prove Team RJ, private school sucks. See you next week.
3: Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in
0: Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.